You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you tri freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. This one is especially kick-ass because we have an interview with Malte Bruns, 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 and he is the first place age grouper at Kona, and his story is absolutely crazy. It's amazing what he did. He took a year off from everything, trained his ass off, ate a ton of ice cream, and did like 35 to 50 hours per week. And then walked across the finish line at Kona, first place age grouper, wearing a camelback and jogging shorts. And it's such a cool interview, and we get to the bottom of how he actually pulled this off. And I'm super stoked to have him on the show and share that with everybody. We also have uh, two pieces of Ultra Baby left over from last episode. So uh, I went out and did a uh, self-supported Ultraman, which is like a double and a half Ironman over three days. And you can get all that, you know, from the last episode. But there was a, there's uh, two more things. Uh, one, a lot of people wanted more details on how I actually pull it off. And so I list off uh, bit by bit every little technical thing. Uh, and I know that's kind of like, you know, we're getting into the weeds here. But some people are actually really interested in that stuff. You know, what did I eat? How did I train? Um, how, did I, how did I pull off a 20... 20- <laughs> I almost went 20 miles per hour on the day two bike ride, 170 something miles, like 176 miles on day two, um, at 19.6 miles per hour. Um, at how I did that, like, uh, how did I train? How did I have my bike set up? And, um, yeah, so I love sharing this stuff because I work, I've worked my way up over the years from being, uh, really slow to uh, being a whole lot faster than I used to be um, with uh, tips and tricks and little things to try. So I always want to share that with everybody. And uh, you can uh, use that. If you like, I'll put that at the end of the show. And then also we have audio that Brian Brode, my wingman, my number one crew chief, uh, recorded during the Ultra Baby. And he uh, he would stick a microphone in my face uh, as I come in on, on on the bike loop or something like that, or like we're starting to swim, you know, just fun stuff. And uh, just you know, as it was going down, so there's you know some audio captured uh, while the whole thing was going down with you know sounds from the that's called a soundscape and sight scene or sounds yeah, sound scene. Anyway, we got a whole bunch of that. And I'm going to throw that in the show as well. And big props to uh, Brian for recording that. It's good stuff. And then also we have all kinds of news. But I thought I'd go ahead and throw in the moment of Zen for this episode. Your moment of Zen. uh, Right up front. Because I heard something that I'd forgotten about uh, just the other day. Somebody... I was listening to some podcast or something, and they said, uh, you know, it's actually not Homo sapiens. It's Homo sapiens sapiens. That's actually our technical Latin name. And what that means, why is sapiens twice? And it's uh, because where sapiens means in Latin, it kind of means like aware or wise or clued in. And, you know, so we're like smart, right? And that means that uh, we are 
you know, like Homo erectus was like, oh, this this is um, uh, an ape monkey, whatever species that's walking upright, erectus. And the uh, sapiens means, because that's the next one, is uh, we're aware. But then why twice? Well, it's you're aware that you're aware, right? Think about that. You're aware that you're aware. And that's actually, it's, it's a finger pointing back at itself, right? It's like, why can't the eyeball see itself? Uh, chewing your own teeth, right? It's, it's like this really weird thing. And it's not something that uh, most of us seem to uh, take advantage of. And I think that's my actual point, is if you go through life just being pulled around by your emotions, well, you're acting very primitive, like homo erectus and on down right? Back to uh, sea slugs. You're just going by instinct, uh, right? And uh, reacting. And if you go, anybody that has two brain cells to bang together knows this. If you just go by your feelings and your reaction to everything, well, that's how you get into a lot of trouble, you know? Well, I had to shoot that guy because he he, uh, said my mom was fat. Well, sir, has that person ever met your mom? No. <laughs> well, then why you shouldn't have shot him, you dummy, you know? So if you go around by, uh, yeah, by your feelings and emotions, you, um, you're not using the pause between the uh, stimulus and response. And there's a famous saying that enlightenment in heaven is found in the space between stimulus and response. You can choose how to react to a situation. And that's what makes you a homo sapiens sapiens, is that you are aware that you are aware. You can choose your choice. You don't have to do the very first reaction. And also, I was listening to a podcast that um, uh, had Alan Watts in it, and he said, Zen is a, is a method, not... A, I don't know if he said religion, but not an institution, right? It's actually a philosophy. It's a way of going about life. And when you put these two together, that you're homo sapiens sapiens, and that you can use Zen as a method, then you're like, ah, now here's your moment of Zen. You can be aware that you can use Zen to, to go through life and make your life a whole lot better. You can sort of detach yourself from the situation and not react to your feelings to make better choices. So in the world of triathlon, it comes down to, oh, I feel like crap, I should give up. No, you should ask yourself, what am I doing that's making me feel like crap, right? Oh, I can't get up in the morning to uh, go swim. Well, why not, right? Be a homo sapiens sapiens and ask yourself, why? Am I not being able to get up in the morning? If you just go by your feelings, you're like, "Well, I just, I'm just not, I'm just not a, uh, I'm just not a morning person." No, that's stupid because lots of people were not morning people, and then they made themselves in the morning people. So if that's possible, then you're not thinking all the way through. You're not pausing and standing back. And it's, oh, you know what? I probably go on the, probably go on the bed at at midnight. Is making it difficult to become a morning person, right? And then you start looking into and asking on the internet, on the Google webs, you know, how do I go to bed earlier? How do I get up earlier? And then you find the answer. All right, so that's your moment of Zen. 
and think about that. Put that in the back of your of your brain cage and store it for later use. Let's go ahead and cover some triathlon news. Here we go. All right, this weekend we have a three-day triathlon. Speaking of Vulture Baby, we have a three-day triathlon uh, that's much shorter <laughs> each day, but totally kick-ass. It's called the Island House Triathlon. This is in Bermuda. It's on this one of these resort little tiny islands, and uh, it's being helped put on by Luke McKenzie and Beth Gertis, but uh, I haven't really gotten to the bottom of everything. It's $500,000 prize purse, which is insane, so I think the guy that owns the island is actually a triathlon fan and putting this on, but that, the, the prize purse, is what's really cool along with the field. It's an invitational triathlon that has a lot, almost all big, big name pros. So we've got Rachel Joyce, uh, Javier Gomez, uh, and uh, Gwen freaking Jorgensen <laughs> are in this thing, for example. Tim Don. I mean, the list goes on and on of uh, really big names. And uh, Javier Gomez is probably going to win the guy's field. And you would say Gwen Jorgensen probably won the uh, women's field. But it's a mix of drafting and non-drafting format. So it's like a triathlon every day. It's kind of like a like a sprint or super sprint or medium distance every day. So you go to islandhousetriathlon.com. By the time you get this podcast, it'll probably be over. Um, and see how it went down. And uh, no live coverage or anything because it's such a small island um, with... Uh, limited resources. It's just totally a little resort place. Um, so you'll be lucky to see anything except for like a daily recap and maybe some video footage. It looks pretty cool. All right. Oh, and somehow they managed uh, through some miracle of science uh, to get an even payment and even pro field numbers all the way. They're paying 10 deep and uh, 10 women and men. Somehow, even though uh, Iron Man... I uh, can't seem to figure that out in, uh, in Kona. But anyway, I digress. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's go ahead and let's see. I went ahead and posted on Twitter. I dug up the mileage. Somebody was asking me, so I went and dug this up. The mileage for training for to qualify for Kona, what is the typical average uh, mileage? And you got to remember, this is probably... Um, not, you know, the 30 to 35 age group. It's probably like most age groups, uh, squished together, male and female. So you would say, you know, somebody qualifying, uh, female 70 to 74, you know, it may not be quite this mileage, but just to give you an idea, you want to qualify for Kona. Here it is. You're looking at, I think it's around 13 or 14,000 yards of swimming per week. And then... What is the um, the bike mileage is about 220 miles per week on the bike, and run mileage is about 47 miles, uh, maybe 48, but about 47 miles of running per week. And this would probably be peak week training. And those of you that just want to go by the numbers, if I, if I just trained enough, then I could qualify. Well, there's your numbers. Go try to do it. <laughs> I added up that if uh, I was doing it at my paces, uh, that kind of mileage, we're probably talking uh, 23 hours per week, 24 hours per week of training. Uh, That's a lot, man. Absolutely a lot. So uh, that's what it takes. So go, go for it. Don't hold back. 
Don't do it. All right. The uh, sad news, uh, Ironman Melbourne was canceled due to Formula One racing that same weekend. And, and there's some kind of uh, juggling act going around and, and fingers pointing. You know, well, they moved and then we moved and then they moved and then we moved. Um, it just goes to show there's a little bit of difficulty in putting on big Ironman races in big cities. Um, and that was something that uh, WTC you know, tried to start doing more of is like Iron Man, Texas, like really close to Houston, right? Or right in the middle of Melbourne or I don't know, just, you know, so it gets more visibility, I guess, advertising. Well, it turns out, I mean, an Iron Man is, it takes up so much real estate road wise that, um, and in cities, any city that you want to go visit, probably has a whole bunch of other stuff going on that uh, it doesn't seem to work. So I wonder if they're going to go back to putting them on in destination uh, cities that are more like resorts where you got a whole lot more road space. Um, like uh, Bend, Oregon, right? It's not a huge, it's a, it's a very small town, but it's got epic uh, terrain or Whistler, right? And... Um, those would be the kind of places where you would put on a um, an Iron Man. The problem is, is no one sees it, and then you're not advertising anybody because nobody sees it. And how do you get there? You know, it's tough to get there in a place without a huge airport. All right, and then also, finally, in the news, um, Alcatraz. <laughs> I qualified for Alcatraz. Gosh, and in 2011 by getting second in my age group in a massive Olympic triathlon down in Kima. And I about died doing that thing. And, and I did. I found out the day before, I think, that it was an Alcatraz qualifier. And I've always wanted to swim the straight between uh, Alcatraz Island and uh, shore, um, uh, San Francisco. And uh, to say that I've done it. And I'm really, really lucky uh, now to uh, oh and so this um this race I did they announced that they were going to have a uh, you know slots for Alcatraz if you did well enough in your race and I about killed myself pegging the uh, pedal to the metal so I could get a spot and I got a spot I got second in my age group and the uh, I went off to go do Alcatraz that summer and about that summer it was like 400 450 bucks and Alcatraz IMG, the people who put on Alcatraz, announced that this summer is um, they're raising the price almost double to seven hundred and fifty dollars. And I'm glad I did it back when I did because I would not go do it for seven hundred fifty dollars personally. Um, and even back then when I did it, people were like, "I can't afford to go do that thing, man. It's it's too much and it's too far away because we're down in Texas, you know." But I have, uh, let's see, seven hundred fifty dollars to be exact. Race organizer IMG. Well, I quietly revealed the new entry fee um, for the June twenty sixteen event, a sixty seven percent markup from the twenty fifteen event. And here's the quote: uh, "Escape." from Alcatraz has experienced tremendous demand in recent years and with that a growing need to maintain the integrity of competition and safety of all involved in this unique and challenging event uh end quote the um <laughs> that's that's so full of vague uh 
nothingness that uh, people immediately grabbed their pitchforks and torches and said, no, we are not falling for this. This is, uh, you've raised prices and maybe they do, hey, maybe the prices do need to go up that high, right? Maybe it does cost that much now. But then it, when you uh, raise prices by that much, you need to show uh, numbers. Why? Where did it go up? And where's this money uh, going to be spent? Especially in the wake of this other event where that, uh, that pharmaceutical company, the president, decided to um, raise the price of an old drug uh, for AIDS patients up by like 3,000% or something like that. Um, and he said, oh, that's just tough. You know, oh, things are really expensive. We have to uh, make them, we have to make things, uh, the prices that high. And everybody was like, no. And that company really suffered for that. And if you hadn't heard of that story, I'm really surprised. But anyway, that's the uh, deal with Alcatraz. Hopefully, hopefully they can either show why uh, the price needs to be $750 for an Olympic or the, um, or they can bring the price back down because the uh, backlash was ugly. Okay, that is enough news. And let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Bruns. But I wanted to pull up real quick. Our sponsor, our title sponsor for this episode is um, where Living Fuel. I'm pausing because I'm looking for it. Where'd it go? I had the Living Fuel thing up. There it is. Oh my gosh, what terrible podcasting. Okay, uh, Living Fuel is uh, really interested in supporting Zen and Yard Triathlon, and you can check them out at livingfuel.com. They make a whole ton of different stuff. They have uh, amino acids and that you can add to your fuel and add to your daily stuff uh, to help you build muscle, and then also they have a really cool recovery drink. And the amino acid container is blue. And the go check it out, by the way. And the um, the recovery drink is brown, probably because it's got some chocolate milk in it. I haven't tasted the recovery one yet. I need to go do that. I've done the uh, the amino acid one, and I liked it. It was pretty cool. And I would like to thank them for being a big sponsor of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. And they contacted me. Any sponsor that comes to me is uh, a a true sponsor instead of me going out. I've learned over the years, don't go out and try to get sponsors. Just sit tight and wait for sponsors to come talk to you. And those are the people that will let you make the content that you want to make and uh, let you do the ads the way you want to do them uh, because they believe in you and they understand you and they understand where they're coming from. So check them out, livingfuel.com. And that reminds me, uh, I put a feeler out for um, a new bike for like the next three years on Zentri. BMC is getting a little long in the tooth, <laughs> majorly, ton of miles on it. So I'm starting to dig around for a new bike sponsor. And Culprit Bikes uh, got in touch with me, uh, Joshua Culp, and that is one hell of a cool bike that he is putting out. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's a, it's a Kickstarter project that he's going to do for this bike. So it's a hybrid uh, and it's genius. It's a hybrid between like a diamond flying V and a classic bike because it's missing the uh, seat stays like a diamond, uh, but it still has the seat tube all the way down to the bottom bracket. And when you think, when you look at it and when you think about it, you're like, 
man, that is a really cool idea. I think that bike design is pretty smart and the bike looks good. It looks like something that you would really want to be seen on. And, um, you know, there's a little bit better performance, uh, than, um, well, there's definitely better performance on aero drag, uh, because it's missing the cheat, the, uh, seat, uh, stays. You don't need those. Oh gosh, especially with carbon fiber nowadays. And then, uh, well, a diamond has proven the flying V has proven you don't need seat stays. And well, and I mean, cause you don't even technically need, uh, the seat tube and the seat post with, um, with carbon fiber, it's so strong. But if you if you lose the seat tube, well, then you miss the bolts uh, for storage and stuff like that, and you miss the shielding of the rear wheel with the uh, seat tube. And uh, go ahead and put that back in there because it's already in the wind flow. And and holy crap, it's super utilitarian and it looks good, and it gives a bike a little bit more uh, structural integrity, which I'm a big fan of. And I'm a big fan of the way this looks. So uh, Google around, and I'll put a link on my um, on my blog, zentrathlon.com, for this uh, for this bike. It's the culprit is the brand name, and it's the 2016 Legend is the name of this thing. And he he uh, the bike hasn't been made yet, but it's been 3D printed with plastic. And assembled with all the parts on it, took it to Kona and showed it off, and the crowds went wild. <sighs> it is really cool. It is an epic looking bike, man. So, uh, big props to them, and they got in touch with me uh, about this bike. Well, the bike doesn't exactly exist yet. <laughs> so, we, I hope it'll work out, but uh, definitely go check them out. And I want to get uh, him on the show on how he actually uh, 3D printed out a bike and put it together and give us all some ideas on what we can do with 3D printing and what the inside of the bike industry looks like. All right, that's enough of that stuff. Let's go ahead and get started with the interview and find out what it took to win first overall age grouper at Kona. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hey, it's this Malte. Yeah, that's right. Hey, how do I say your name? Is it Malte or Malte? Uh, in Germany, it's Malte, but Mal- usually the Americans say Malte, so that's all right. <laughs> Malto, like Malto Dextrin. Um, more like malted stuff. <laughs> malted. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Half my family's from Germany, so this is great. Sweet. I was uh, Blankner is actually mutated version of von blanc or something like that long oh, time okay. ago i see from southern germany awesome oh, well cool you ready to get going yeah sure all right man all right so we have with us here uh, <laughs> we're gonna try it again malta malted maltate yeah that sounds good that sounds good m-a-l-t-e bruns from germany what part of germany are you from uh, actually, I'm more. I'm from like the central western part. Okay. But at the moment, I'm living in Munich and doing my master's degree. Right, and classes just started up, right? Yeah, they just started right after the the world championships, like right the Monday after the world championships. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just getting started. Okay, so you're on the show here because you really got in the spotlight with something absolutely amazing this is so fascinating i'm very excited to have you on you took 
a year off from school. You just finished your, uh, do they call it bachelor's in, in uh, Germany? Your bachelor's yeah. degree? Yeah, the bachelor's degree. And decided to train for about a year or so. And yeah. then uh, just to see what you could do. And then you ended up, <laughs> this is so great. You ended up winning overall age grouper at Kona. And the, the funniest thing, the best thing about this whole thing is the live video feed of these finishers, the top finisher pros, uh, have them, you know, coming across the finish line and doing their interviews and stuff. And then this guy comes jogging in across the finish line wearing a camelback and jogging shorts, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, who is this guy? Yeah. Turns out it was you, and you won first place in, what was it like 8.52 or something like that? Yeah, 8.52.30, I think 8.52.30 at Kona, uh, mixing it in and beating, like, you got 24. Fourth, I think. So you, you beat like half the pro field. And uh, so your story of how you got to this is just absolutely fascinating. And um, so I wanted to have you on. So thanks for being on the show, man. Yes, sweet. So were you already uh, doing pretty well in triathlon and then decided, you know, that would lead you to take a year off or was it you were just... Well, actually, I did my first ever year of triathlon in 2014. Uh -huh. You know, doing some shorter stuff, uh, stuff. Yeah, a couple of sprints. And uh, yeah, when I started doing that, I already decided, okay, I want to do the Ironman. So I just used 2014 to, you know, get into the triathlon training and mm -hmm. practicing transition and stuff. And yeah, then I decided to uh, take the year off from studying because I said, okay, I want to do an Ironman at some point in my life, and now seems like a good time for it. Right. And when I, when I want to do it, I want to do it right. So I take a year off and dedicate everything to, you know, doing the Ironman mm -hmm. and doing the best I can. So how old are you right now? Uh, 24. 24. Okay. And what was your background growing up? I know in, your, in the story about you on Slow Twitch, you had a pretty bad injury. A couple years ago, didn't you, or a few years ago? Yeah, I had, uh, in yeah, two years ago, 2013, I broke like a vertebrae Absolutely. in my upper uh, upper back mm -hmm. in a yeah little stupid skiing accident. Yeah, and yeah, that was basically the moment when I decided I wanted to do it because I always had in the back of my mind this dream of doing an Ironman. And at that point in 2013, when I was laying in hospital, I decided, okay. When I get out of this injury and still, you know, can do sports at a good level, I will do uh, the Ironman thing now. So, yeah, that's I decided that right then, and uh, yeah, started working towards it. Yeah, I've I've noticed that before people do something amazing, there's usually like a life-altering event, you know, to uh, make them decide yeah. to do something. It really puts the fire under them to to do something like go take a year off completely so that they can just train to see what they could actually do. So what was your background, uh, like swimming, biking and running growing up? Um, I started swimming when I was three or something, you know, just to learn swimming. And then I stuck with the, like the German lifesaver organization and trained till I was like 19 once right. or twice a week, but never really competitive or focused on technique or anything. 
Um, yeah, biking was always a big part, like, of my life, of my family's life. We always spend, like, weekends and holidays on the bike. Right. And also, it's like, yeah, my means of transportation when I get around town to school, practice, whatever, I always... Hey, are you back? Are you there? Yeah, some of the connection just broke, right? Yeah, yeah, just snapped. All right, so, sorry about that. So, how far did you get? Um, so, you grew up uh, biking. Uh, around with your family all the time, right? So I bet that I bet that uh, smoothed out your pedal stroke, so that uh, cycling was just like a natural. That's something I notice when people that are new to cycling or they don't cycle much. You know, you can see their pedal stroke like they pedal squares is the thing that we say okay. here. Yeah, yeah. It's very inefficient and uh, wasteful, and like they don't have a good bike position, and it mm. seems like a lot more work than it needs to be. Yeah, that's right. And then if you grow up. On bicycles, like I try that with my with my family. Uh, I've got a eleven year old son. Put him on a bike as soon as we could, so it's just natural. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then I started, you know, getting to longer distances in two thousand six. I did tours through France with a teacher from my school. Right. He offered like a this trip, mm -hmm. and I did that, and I really liked, you know, traveling by bike. And after I finished school, two thousand ten, I did a trip from Barcelona all the way through the Pyrenees and the Alps back home, like mm -hmm. 3,000 kilometers. So that really got me hooked. And yet, to 2012, I got myself a road bike. And yeah, then I really started working out on yeah. the bike. Cool. So then where did, where did the uh, run background come from? Um, at first, I always kind of sucked at sports when I was younger because I was really bad at soccer, and that's basically all you do here, like in in PE classes and right. stuff. You gotta have. So food. I thought I was I was bad at sports. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was 2006 when I did the first, you know, like long bike rides. Uh -huh. uh, I I realized that I'm pretty good at running like longer distances. We did the Cooper test at school, and I was really good at it. Yeah. Then again, at the 100 meter 100 meter sprints, I was sucked. And 2007, I was in uh, in Michigan, in doing high school, mm -hmm. and there there I really started running. I did cross country there, yeah, and yeah, that really got me hooked. And after that, I ne never really dropped out of running. When I came back home, I joined a team here, did the 1,500 meters on the track and a couple of cross races. So yeah, ever since 2007, I've been running. So what was the uh Getting into running, like, uh, were you at track meets and then the cross country? Like, you could just tell that other people in like very short sprints would just outrun you, or, or like, say on the soccer field growing up, like they'd beat you to the ball, or, um, or is yeah, it when we, in Germany, you've got like PE classes all the way uh, through your school life, uh huh. And yeah, I was, I wasn't really the sporty kind of person at soccer and we did like yeah the dashes every summer and I wasn't good at that so yeah then I just did the Cooper test and I did pretty good so I thought okay yeah maybe I'm just not good at sprints but good at the longer stuff. Yeah that's the cool thing about uh, Olympic and faster well probably all triathlon is that the um, you don't have to be crazy fast. Yeah you know? that's right. Nobody's running <laughs> <laughs> a 204 marathon in these things, you know? Yeah. Especially, well, there are the, uh, the you know, the hand cycling people. Uh -huh. I think they sometimes do like two or 205 or something. That's crazy. But otherwise, not so much. 
Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, it's not four-minute miles, you know. It's it's uh, just being really good at being able to do a seven-and-a-half-minute mile for for um, yeah. for a long time, right? The uh, Okay, so you did an 8.52.30, and you got 24th place. Uh, what races, or what race was your... Um, your Kona qualifying race? Uh, I qualified in my first ever Ironman at Lanzarote uh -huh. in May. Uh, I did, I think it was in 9.32 or something, and I placed ninth place overall, uh -huh. and also was the fastest amateur in that race. So, <laughs> what, did, what, did that, what did that feel like, realizing that you were, I mean, did you know in training that you would be that good or was it the race where it hit you? Like, holy cow, I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic at this. It was definitely the race when I, before the race, I thought, okay, yeah, under 11 hours, that should be, you know, that should be possible. And under 10 hours, that would be just amazing. Yeah. And that's what I most figured I could think. swim like an hour. <laughs> yeah. And then I, then I got out of the water in that race, and I got out, out of the water after like 52 minutes, and I was like, what? That's crazy. This will yeah. be my race. So I just, yeah, just gave everything I had and uh, realized I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. So taking this time off so that you could just train, uh, I saw somewhere that it's possible that you trained up to 50 hours a week sometimes. Is that actually true? or? Yeah, that's true. But how Was that like some peak weeks or was that all the time or or what oh uh, yeah i would say leading up or during this year my average training week was like 35 40 hours around yeah. that uh -huh. and yeah some weeks just you know worked out pretty good when i did a couple of long rides like i had weeks where i did 30k in the pool and over a thousand k on bike and then maybe 100k running or so. So yeah, that added just added up. Wow. So did you find that that it was that it was difficult to do when you have all the time to do it? Is it actually difficult to get in that volume of training, or was it like difficult, like in a weird way of of just uh, fatigue? Or I mean, how did you manage getting in that kind of volume, even though? Uh, you did it pretty easy, right? Just easy volume. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Working all my my training is basically uh, low, or kind of low intensity. Uh -huh. Yeah, just always start my day pretty early, so I always go swimming right when the pool is opening, which was quarter to six back at home, mm -hmm. and I think about seven when I was in Lanzarote. So yeah, I got that the first workout in pretty early, and usually then I just you know relax a bit and go. Usually I go bike riding in the peak, like peak heat of the day, like maybe I got at 11, 12 or something. Right. And yeah, after that, I just hang out and sometime in the evening, I just, you know, kick my butt and say, okay, now I'll go running. So, right. But you know what I found is when you, when I do like a big volume for me, you don't really need to do hard stuff or intervals. By the time you start putting in a ton of mileage, then it's... The mileage itself becomes so difficult that the intervals aren't really necessary. Is that what you found? Well, I don't. I never really started doing intervals. Like when I was doing track, of course, I was doing like two hundred meter intervals or something. Yeah. But during the year, I never really did it. I just, you know, kept to the low intensity because I just like being out on the road and seeing stuff and riding around. Yeah. So I don't know. I just 
go the speed i feel i feel good and comfortable doing the whole the whole time yeah but yeah never thought too much about the whole interval thing right yeah <laughs> and this is this is so amazing so did you did you train indoors at all or did you just do everything outside uh, yeah, swimming in the pool and during the winter, I always used the, the roller trainer for the bike. Oh, rollers. Okay, cool. Yeah, the power trainer, what's, uh, whatever you call it. So you've got the magnetic, magnetic resistance for the back wheel, so that's right. what I'm using. Okay, all right. So not, not rollers, though, like um, the free No, not the free spinning ones, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are tough. And the, uh, and uh, what... Coming up, like over this next winter, with are you gonna are you going to go back indoors again and train some more and uh, and try to balance that with the going back into graduate school? Yeah, just uh, yeah, just do both at the moment. I go to the universities sometimes, and yeah, usually try to get a, get in the swim workouts and a bit of running with friends here. Yeah. And yeah, I really like doing the uh, the indoor train on the bike. You know, I've got the, the setup with the fan, and then I watch movies. Yeah. Because usually I'm, I just don't sit around for two hours to watch a movie. That's some, something I don't do. But sitting on the bike for two hours and watching a movie—that's something I really love about the indoor training. So, uh, do you um, in Germany? What what uh, what movie channels do you do? You just watch DVDs, or do you do you have a like? Do you have Netflix there or, or what? Uh, yeah, usually I just go for DVDs or both or some from friends or something. Ah, okay. But maybe I should get something, you know, Netflix <laughs> or something just to have the biggest selection of stuff to watch. Yeah. Okay, so uh, also, let's see. During your racing, did you find that... I, I would think that you would find that you don't need to push the pace. You've got so much volume and so much experience with doing, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day that you just go out and just, it's almost like another workout day for you, isn't it? And the pace yeah, is... Yeah, some of it is just, especially in the first race in Lanzarote, uh -huh. I never really knew how, how hard I should push, especially in the bike. I was just riding along and sometimes I overtook somebody on the hills and I was mm -hmm. just thinking all the time how hard should I go to be able to run the marathon afterwards? So, right. Yeah, after time, I just got used to it. Like in uh, in Hawaii now, I had a really clear idea how do my uh, legs have to feel right. so that I can sustain the the effort for the whole race. So that's that was pretty good in Hawaii. But before that, I just you know tried out what feels good and wow. So the um, what about fueling? What do you use for uh, to eat on during training and during racing? Uh, during training, I often sometimes I make rice cakes uh -huh. to when I go out on the bike, but usually I just stick with plain old water. And it's, what I really like on the bike is ice cream. So I always have a couple of euros in my back pocket and stop at some ice cream place to get some ice cream. Uh huh. That's what I really love. Otherwise, I just yeah stick with water and uh, yeah and races. I use uh, all kinds of gels. Right. And I got some electrolytes in my Camelback. Yeah, I want to so, ask you about that Camelback in a minute because okay. I, I think Camelback needs to sponsor you big time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm still in all that moment. I'm just using kind of a cheap generic thing. Uh huh. 
But yeah, okay. just uh, need so, to get somebody who makes a pretty good running running back. <laughs> the uh, back to the ice cream thing. So that's a mix of uh, sugar and fat, right? So it's got plenty of calories. Do you, do you know how yeah. many um, how many calories per hour you you thought you might be eating, or grams of carbs? But if you're doing ice cream, then you're doing fat too. So do you, do you have any idea how many calories you, you were uh, eating? Uh, no, I just when I'm out training, I just eat a lot before before out uh, out riding, like a big ball of porridge or something, mm -hmm. and. Uh, yeah, that's it. Maybe just two skew, two three scoops of ice cream or something, yeah. and that's enough for like hundred twenty, hundred fifty k. So, yeah. Wow. Well, in, in the race, I really calculate like how much uh, carbs I need. Yeah. So, but otherwise, in training, I just you know don't wow. take the the whole nutrition thing too seriously. Okay. That, so that's that's the advice. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. And then, uh, yeah, because I think we think about it too much, right? And then we get we get all caught up in trying to do crazy yeah, things. Yeah, something is better just to try it out and you know try whatever. Maybe it's maybe somebody tells you it's weird, but just try it out. Maybe it works for you. Yeah, I could totally see ice cream working because it's got plenty of calories and it's easy to digest too. And yeah, that's. I just. I was in, in Hawaii, like in an ice cream place, mm -hmm. and I got like a big three scoop thing. And just before me, there were some people, and they got like a scoop. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was finished with my three scoops, they didn't even finish their one scoop. And oh. they were like, "Dude, you were just eating your ice cream so fast." And I told them, "Well, I'm not even eating ice cream. I'm just breathing ice cream." <laughs> breathing. <laughs> You could, uh, for your races, you could um, actually buy ice cream and then let it melt and then have it in a, like a squeeze tube, right? And then just eat, eat ice cream every once in a while. Yeah. Right? And there you go. Just thinking if it's, if it's legal to just stop by an ice cream place in the race, get an ice cream and yeah. like continue running, that would be really funny. Or you could uh, put it on ice in your uh, camelback. And, yeah. So did you, uh, did you ride the... Um, with the camelback on the bike too because i've actually done that at an iron man and found it to be pretty pretty nice but oh uh, no it's just i just use it for the run on the bike i just uh grab as much water as i can in the aid okay. station so all right so so fueling during racing you said you just uh you calculated and you tried to do uh, so many were you doing calories per hour or grams of sugar per hour or, or uh yeah i went for the uh what like the one gram of carbs per kilogram of body weight per hour uh-huh so that's what i tried to do like roughly and you didn't have any stomach troubles or anything like that um in the first two races in lanzarote and then at challenge Roth, i got a bit of, of stomach troubles because i eat like bars uh -huh. And I think the solid food maybe didn't work all that well for me. Right. So then in Kona, I just got a bottle filled with Gatorade powder and Anna and gels and a bit of water. Yeah. So I just, you know, took a couple of sips of those every like 10, 20 Ks or something. Uh huh. So that worked pretty good. So could you tell? You said you had it measured out, but did you kind of did you kind of fuel by feel? Like uh, you could just tell if you were eating too much or not eating enough, and then tried to change a little bit or what? Yeah, just uh, I just figured okay, let's. I just uh, drank out as much out of this bottle as I you know felt good with. Uh huh. 
I think I didn't even finish the bottle on the bike. Yeah, so. I, I found that too. Like, uh, especially hot races, right? Where yeah. you you pre-calculate all this stuff, and then you find out by the end you only drank like half of it or two thirds, yeah. or something. Yeah, because it just gets too hot. So, um, your bike. Uh, how did you have that set up? Did you, uh, what kind of bike were you on, and and uh, where where did you keep everything? Uh, I got a, uh, a track speed concept. Right. I think it's the 2012 model. Mm -hmm. I bought it out of a sponsoring, so it was used bike. Yeah. And yeah, I got the uh, the front the aero bottle on the on the air bars, the front mm -hmm. mounted thing for the water. And then I've got the uh, my bottle with the carbs in the frame triangle. Right. And yeah, that was it. I didn't even have the uh, the mount behind the saddle. I used the mount behind the saddle in training right. to keep like additional bottles of water, but I didn't even do that in the race. So when you and picked up water, where did you where did you store it? Uh, I just put. I just refilled my arrow bottle on the on the bars and. Uh -huh. Then we had drank the rest and threw the bottle right away. Okay. And uh, let's see. You said that you have um, no power meter, and I kind of yeah. agree with you. Like I think that in your case, that would just mess you up. <laughs> you know, uh, I think a power meter is for people that that train uh, shorter amounts of time, right? They didn't put as much volume in as you, so maybe they don't know what's going to happen out there, so they try to control their output. And yeah, maybe it would have been good to have a power meter this yeah. year, so I you know could cut on the off the rides, which I do like at too little power. True. But yeah. yeah, I want to do. It, I want to try it next year. I want to try, you know, improving my bike performance just by doing like more intervals and mm -hmm. tempo training. Because I mean, I can't really put in more hours than I did this year. <laughs> no, in fact, you might have to. Do, you're gonna have to do less, fewer hours, right? Yeah, that's what I'm planning on, especially with the uh, with my studies. So I just have yeah. to cut back some of the hours and just you know kick up the intensity. So um, in your in your uh, in your training, this incredible amount of training that you did, uh, did you? What was your food timing like? Like I found that I got a huge increase in like how I felt improvement in how I felt training by changing up when I ate certain foods. So like I would get up and eat light and then have a workout and then like a little while later eat like breakfast, you know? So like you were saying you get up and you go swim, like uh, what kind of something would you eat before swimming and then what would you eat after it in training? Uh, often I wouldn't eat anything before swimming, uh -huh. sometimes like a piece of bread and Nutella or something. Right. And yeah, then after swimming, I usually have breakfast with some yeah porridge and cottage cheese kind of thing and some fruit. Right. So and then I you know get in some porridge before before going on the bike ride and yeah some carbs, fruit, whatever after the bike ride before I go running and yeah kind of lean, lots of veggies and protein in the evening before I go to bed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like the stuff that's harder to digest, do it later in the day when you're not going to yeah. do it after you're done working out. Yeah, that's right. So that's not too too much jump, jumping around in your stomach, yeah. especially while running. Okay, that's that's really good advice. So um, in the Camelback, 
you have like electrolytes and caffeine, right? But yeah. do you did you start off the marathon in your races with the camelback filled up as far as it's going to fill up and then just never add anything to it while you're running? Or did you add more water to it while you were running or, or what? Um, in the first race in Lanzarote, I had like, I think it's about two liters that go into it. I had right. like one and a half in it. And at some point it got empty and I refilled it. In Challenge Roth, I actually had my parents standing at the, you know, your personal aid station thing in the middle of the race. Mm -hmm. So I just threw my, my first bag away and got a second bag from them. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah, here in uh, in Kona, I just had one bag and and I really drank a lot of water at the aid stations, which I didn't do too much in the race before. Okay. So you never, you didn't, some people would, you know, stop every few aid stations and put more something in it, but you had it pretty much filled up and then really didn't have to do much with it. It was kind of, yeah. except for that, yeah, like halfway through at Roth. So do you, what, how, how do you keep the camelback from bouncing around while you run with a uh, liter, two liters of water? <laughs> I don't know. The, the most important point is always to get the, the air out of the, the bladder thing. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just making weird noises all the time. True. But yeah, yeah once you got the air out of it, it's, I mean, of course, it's bouncing around a bit. But, you uh -huh. know, you've got 26 miles to get used to it, right? <laughs> right. The... It never chafed you or anything, or you wear like a certain shirt under it to keep it from rubbing on you, or yeah, sometimes it chafed a bit in my neck area, but never too bad. Okay, and you don't know what model it was, or or is it? I just it's from Decathlon, which is a kind of cheap uh, sports goods store in Europe. Uh huh. I don't know. I think it's actually French or something. Yeah, uh, it still is just amazing. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, this, when I did my first marathon, I thought, okay, you know, the most important point of uh -huh. hydration in the race is to not get cramps, so right. I stay hydrated. So I thought, okay, let's just try it, so that way I can take a sip every kilometer or something, right? And I don't have to wait for the next aid station in three, four miles. So I, I was when I feel thirsty, I can drink. That's just what was super important for me. Yeah, I I run with um waste bottles on with two of them and they're 10 ounces each so it totals up okay. to almost what is 20 ounces like maybe two-thirds of a liter okay yeah and then um yeah it's a, the difference is amazing while you're doing a race you can drink whenever you want and uh you don't have to wait till the next aid station to um when you get thirsty uh yeah. to uh, drink yeah and yeah you can take the water and dribble it over your head and stuff it's pretty cool um so it, for Kona, these races in, that you uh, well, Lanzarote is pretty hot, right? And then, um, but how did you prepare for the heat in Kona? Uh, yeah, I flew out to Hawaii uh, almost seven weeks before the race. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that that got me going. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wow, you really are an example of like how good you can get if you um, if you train and prepare properly like what you yeah. what you managed to pull off is just the ultimate in uh, prepar Thanks. preparation execution right so um was there, was there anything going into the race that that you hadn't 
that surprised you that um, you didn't prepare for that you wish that you'd done differently? Uh, no, not really. I was uh, I had a bit of uh, of issues before in the the month before the race with my Achilles tendons. So yeah, I wasn't too sure about my running, uh -huh. but I was super calm in the race because uh, I just I didn't taper too much, so I feel like really really. Uh, psychologically sound when I got into the race. I was just perfectly at balance and felt really good when I got into the race. So what, what is a 50 hours peak training a week look like? So 35 to 50. Um, what, what is that per, per day in hours? Is that like six hours a day, seven hours a day, eight hours a day, I guess? Yeah, some, something like that, maybe seven hours. Like usually I go swimming for one and a half hours. So. Uh -huh maybe an hour and a bit of running and usually I do an hour of strength training every day be it core stability stuff or arm training so and then up to five six hours of bike riding did you um did all that training well one how much sunscreen did you go through <laughs> like gallon actually it's not too bad because yeah. what I found out when you when you shave your arms and legs Lex, you save so much sunscreen. Oh, uh, it's true. Yeah. It just doesn't take that much, does it? Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever begin to hate all the training? I mean, you said earlier that you kind of enjoy being outside. So if, as long as you're going somewhere or watching movies on the trainer, it's not that bad? No, I, I always really loved it. You know, yeah. sometimes it's hard to get yourself motiv motivated to actually start to work out. Uh -huh. But once I started a workout, I never felt bad about it. I always laughed. And every single workout I did, I laughed it after I started it. So Yeah, so that's yeah, that's some good advice, right? Your mind yeah, just get out and then get, yeah. get rolling and everything will be fine. Your attitude that's what I found out for me. Yeah, your attitude could change once you get a, a few uh, kilometers into it. So the... Uh, the jogging shorts. You wore jogging shorts during the during the yeah. run. Okay, so you took the time to switch. And did you? Uh, why uh, is that? Just something you just like running in those better, or they have pockets, or or what? No, I just I just feel better in them. That's what I usually use for uh, for training. Uh -huh. When I first had my first like one piece suit, that put a lot of pressure on my shoulders when I was running. So I didn't yeah. really like running in that. So I just decided to get a two piece. Uh huh. Uh, suit and some of the uh, the shorts were really good for riding but they felt too tight on the run right so I just decided yeah just you know take the what does it take 30 seconds to get them off and put the running shorts on so yeah it's like yeah changes don't take that long really when, when you put in perspective of a whole Ironman right like yeah it's nine take, hours right <laughs> comfort comes first so yeah um I know I've asked you a bunch of questions. Is is there any other thing, tips or things you discovered during this uh, all this training and racing that you did um, that maybe you think people don't know or understand or that you want to uh, reiterate with people that um, because the like, most important thing yeah. I found out, especially about why, is uh -huh. that I always get kind of annoyed when people say stuff like. Oh, I rode Queen K Highway. It's so boring uh -huh. uh, yeah. because Hawaii has got so much more to offer to train and ride. 
uh, that I always get kind of annoyed when people ride on Queen K all the time and never, you know, try out everything, anything else and just mm -hmm. say, yeah, it's boring. I mean, I spent two hour, two months on the island. Right. And yeah, it is a bit boring. There aren't too many roads, but there are some things you can do. Yeah. Hey, what about, uh, where, where did you get running in around there? On the same roads or? Yeah, usually just on the, running's not too good. Like you can go on the, um, I ran a lot in the, the living, in the neighborhood I lived in. Uh -huh. Otherwise you can run on, yeah, lead drive. But running is really not too good because there are no, like, forest trails you would have in Germany or something. Basically, it's just tarmac where you can run. Yeah. So you you're uh, you might go pro next year or or, or not? Are you thinking yeah, I will. I will. I just uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good you know place to start from. Mm -hmm. And I would feel bad to to race as a as an amateur again. I mean, the hours I put in, they are yeah, what pros do. So nearly nobody on the amateur level is putting out so much hours. Right. So I would kind of feel bad to compete at that level again because. Uh, Every race I did this year, I won the uh, the amateur category. Yeah. So yeah, I really want to see what I can do in the pro in the <laughs> yeah. pro field. You're in the wrong category now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. But I mean, you did you did the work. You've earned it. So uh, as far as going pro, what does that look like? How, I know you're discovering is you're discovering it too as well. So how do you do it? Do you uh, you have to apply and or they pretty much it's already the application's done. Because yeah, you basically just have to uh, you have to buy the the pro license from uh -huh. like the German Triathlon Union, uh -huh. and then you have to sign up with like Ironman or Challenge or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And register as a pro there. I think Ironman's actually charging the pros money, whereas <laughs> Challenge is free for pros. Yeah. So I think they check like what kind of times you do, and then decide okay, he's he's good enough to become a pro. Right, so I think that's what they do, but I'm not sure. I just haven't applied yet. Have you had sponsors come knocking on your door, like trying to give you bikes and and uh, gear yet, or? Yeah, I'm just uh, figuring out at the moment. I got a couple of people, you know, coming to me and saying, "Hey, you know, we would like to work with you or something." But most I was just, you know, riding to, and some said yeah, and some said yeah. Well, we already got the next year planned, so. That's true, right? They kind of book out their, yeah, their, uh, their. I don't know what you call it. Their athletes, their staff, yeah, for stuff. But uh, yeah, I think the most important thing is um, the best sponsorships are food. <laughs> yeah, bike, bike, and the bike, bike and airline. If an airline could sponsor some athletes, that would be just amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well. So, well, best of luck, man. It's been really great having you on. And uh, Yeah, thanks. It was great fun. Yeah, and uh, everybody out there, where, where can people find you so they can, uh, where can future sponsors find you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a Facebook page, uh -huh. which is, uh, I can send you the link sure. to that. So I'll you post can it on the show. There. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm just, you know, in the process of getting a, a web page started. Uh -huh. So, yeah, basically at the moment, the Facebook page is the place to reach me oh i had something else i wanted to ask you by the way All right. um i just did a huge race uh that was big for me and a big event and the runner's high didn't hit me like it didn't sink in and i didn't 
get that crazy, weird, elated feeling until two days later. And I saw in this interview with you that it really hit you what had happened when you were getting on the plane like four days later at Kona. And uh, is, is... did they explain that correctly, or did you have? Yeah, just you? I don't know. Just uh, I mean, it was great to finish the race in that place and everything. Uh huh. But yeah, just a couple of days later, when I was thinking about like the race and everything, I just realized like how great this whole year was. Like all the all the great trainings I had, all the great places I visited, all the people I trained with, trained with, met. So yeah. that's when I really, you know, took the time to think about the whole thing. Yeah, you had to wait enough for everything to slow down for you to actually yeah, to sink in. Wow, cool. Yeah, well, you did something pretty amazing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Only one person gets to do that per year, you know. Win, yeah. Win out of all the age groupers, so. and so so early on too, just uh, a couple years in the racing. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for being on the show, and uh, I'll, yeah. talk, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Great. All right. All right thanks. Bye. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, Malte Bruins. What <laughs> what an amazing uh, situation. What a great athlete he became in a short amount of time. I mean, he definitely had the background, but it just goes to show that uh, if he spends a little time, or a lot of time in his case, working, then uh, you can achieve great things. There's no replacement for displacement as my friend Rico said, with his uh, 1967 GTO uh, racing uh, rice burner Hondas and stuff out there. The, uh, the, the interesting thing is, is, yeah, you can put in a whole lot of volume, and volume uh, will tend to not get you injured as long as you're even about it, and you can keep going and going and going and then increase uh, speed as you get better at it. And the uh, only problem is, is where are you going to find time to do all that volume, right? In his situation, he was able to do that. All right. Thank you again. And again, his name is Malte Bruins, M-A-L-T-E-B-R-U-N-S. Check him out. Very interesting guy. All right. I am in the Zentri studios at home, actually watching the... uh, the Ronda Rousey fight on UFC, what is it, UFC 193. Doing a little bit of high-tech uh, wizardry here. We've got a Roku TV, and I bought the fight on YouTube, and then from YouTube, I'm broadcasting it to the TV. And the fight is actually, it starts off with uh, some other fights first, and they work their way up to uh, Ronda fighting and the uh, cultural differences between us and the United States and uh, and Australia where the fight's going on is uh, the crowd's actually kind of quiet. It's interesting. And I'm just uh, sitting here with the volume down, uh, needed to knock out the show because it's, I've been slow to uh, record this part two because I've got um, uh, a little bit low energy trying to get back into the groove. Uh, from after doing Ultra Baby, it really wore me out. And the um, the interviews are piling up. I got people that uh, you know contact me on a regular basis to uh, be on the show to do interviews, and I've had to tell them all 
uh, just hold on. <laughs> Let me get my life straight for a little bit, and then we'll uh, pick things back up again, trying to get everything organized. Also spending a lot of time with the family and doing other things besides training, like watching this fight, for example. Oh, but I did just uh, finish uh, riding on Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T, a little while ago. Uh, AJ Balco uh, and I were talking about riding on there together some. He's a pro that's actually been on the show with an interview, a really cool guy, and um, would be great to uh, be on at the same time. So that's a, Zwift is a video game that you play on your while you're riding the bike on the trainer. It simulates you riding around an island or like other places, and uh, the fact that there's other people on there, it's very realistic, and there's other people on there riding next to you makes you a little bit competitive, and uh or majorly (laughs) it was my last hill climb and this guy was tagging along with me for a long time so uh i started trying to outclimb him and the next thing i know i'm at the top of the hill not letting him pass me putting out 510 watts at 114 rpm uh just so i could make it to the top of the climb before he did and he was right behind me doing the exact same thing i mean it was crazy and you don't get that uh, sitting around watching uh, mushrooms grow on YouTube or something. The, uh, this uh, game is actually pretty cool. So uh, Zwift, they're Go Swift, Go Zwift on um, Twitter. Very cool. And uh, there's been some news updates since it's taken me forever to get out of show. Um, the whole Alcatraz thing, well, there's, um, there's actually two companies that put on races at Alcatraz. And the other one stepped in and said, hey, we're going to do ours at 450 instead of the 700 and something that the other one's doing. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, uh, let's go ahead and knock out a uh, a sponsor while we're here. Uh, Amrita Bars are um, my go-to nutrition for so much, so much energy, uh, healthy, clean, vegan, uh, peanut, nut-free um, energy bars that are super clean they're easy on the stomach absolutely love them and i just noticed that i'm on a box that they put out people are tweeting pictures of me on this box (laughs) it's pretty cool and uh the picture if you're wondering is me at uh ironman 70.3 austin uh not getting a pr but thoroughly whooping ass on that really difficult course it's pretty tough and uh, I got my hands over my head, like, finishing. So if you find an Amrita box, uh, get it. And you can get 10% off if you order Amrita stuff online with discount code ZEN. Let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, discount code ZEN, 15% off. And it's Amrita, A-M-R-I-T-A, AmritaHealthFoods.com. And, yeah. So let's go ahead and get started with the audio that... My main man, Brian Brode, recorded while I was swinging in and out of uh, the uh, the stops on the Ultra Baby bike and on the Ultra Baby uh, run. It's pretty cool stuff, and uh, big props to him for recording all this. He did not have to do that at all. He just enjoys this stuff so much. It was really cool. So let's go ahead and check it out, and here we go.
Ultra Baby. Woo-hoo. One, woohoo. Kai. Kai is in the driver's seat. The Ultra Baby. Kai. <laughs> Kai is the Ultra Baby. You are the inspiration. Well, not we anymore. Know, not anymore yeah. All right. So, what do you think about uh, what's happening here? It's what seven o'clock in the morning. We're getting ready to see Brett on his 10k swim. 10k. That's like 6.2 miles. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yep. All right. And we have Nurse Emily here. She's Hello. the official, the, the official med well, squad. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe so, so, if people are going to listen to me. Yeah, it, so if you give medical advice and they don't listen to you, then, yeah, then what, what's up with that's, that? That's what I'm saying. I said, oh, so you're actually going to recognize me as a nurse today. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. the answer wasn't what I had hoped. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So, Maybe. Yep. So yeah, looks like a clear day. Yeah, yeah. The water looks great. Clear. Water looks great. Um, There's already random people kind of walking around, getting ready to start fishing. So we're glad to have you here to help us out. Well, I, you're going to be Brett's main sport crew on the summer. I am. I'm here to crew. I am Sherpa crew. Uh, you know, cheerleader, all of that. Right. I brought my cowbells. Did you see the cowbells? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, That's awesome. I, it's awesome cowbells. Cool. Well, look. Oh, sorry, Brett's mom. Oh, she's going to track. Can I see? I don't. Okay. Okay. Fighting over it's the good. fighting, fighting over yeah. the phone here. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Brett is uh, going over all of his gear here, like uh, like pacing like an expected father. Yeah. And back and um, forth. He's getting he's getting his own. Um, he's he's saying random things like i got this i got that make sure you do this yeah. and we're all like okay we got it we got it because you know it's that you know he's got 99 percent of the essential well 100 percent of the essential set out it's just the other 99 percent of things that he thinks he might need here there so he's kind of yeah. getting in that yeah. in that zone which is uh which is cool yeah so you can go through it because he knows he's got an epic day 10k swim followed by a 90 plus mile ride that's day one yeah. A hundred and what seventy miles tomorrow. Tomorrow on the, bike. On the yeah. bike, and then fifty-two mile yeah. run. Yeah, just a fifty-two mile. Just a fifty-two mile. Just a fifty-two up. mile run. So this is going to be uh, quite the the feat to to see him go through. Yeah. Through this, yeah. Mm-hmm. So all the good thing is he gets to rest at the end of each day and yeah. recover a little bit. So that's good. Yeah. All right. But yeah, hopefully it'll be a nice day. Okay, like now day. now Brett's doing that, but you're also going to be crewing somebody else. Right, when my friend Shannon's going to come and do part part of part of each thing, and then there's another lady coming that's going to do um, probably about a mile swim today, and then she says she's doing a whole bike tomorrow, and then um, part of the run on Monday. We haven't met her yet, or I haven't met her in person, but. Um, so yeah, and then and then in the midst of all that, I'll be getting Kai to school, picking him up from school, getting Kai to soccer tomorrow. You know, we got other stuff going on too. Life. 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 Yeah. Life. But yeah, so we'll do, do whatever, and our house is open if anybody else wants to come join. Oh, it's not open. <laughs> no. Hey, where's oh, the anyway. porta cans? <laughs> the the, the porta cans are down there by on the, the right restaurant hand side. on the right hand side. Okay. This is being recorded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. sharing. Captain Captain Duty calls. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's get, you're gonna get down the race weight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh my uh, God. Well, Brett is taking care of uh, business. Business. <laughs> uh, we're just going to uh, wait until he says it's time to go. Oh, maybe we should get the kayaks out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Why don't we go ahead and do that? All right. Okay. Awesome. Okay, Tri Boomer here. Brett is in the middle of the swim for the Ultra Baby. He is about to complete his second lap here at Lake O'Brien in Bryan College Station, Texas. And out and back is right at the Ironman distance. So he is almost complete with double the Ironman distance in a time of two minutes, two hours in 21 minutes so estimated finish time for the double is about two hours and 30 minutes he's looking strong he's uh good spirits he's getting in his nutrition he's getting in his uh his, his hydration and his salt tablets just as uh, just as he has planned and um get yeah, us going well for him we'll check back soon all right brett hey what does it say that you've done Seven seven one nine, and we've done eight five. Yeah, you've done eight five. Yeah. So to get the t- total ten thousand meters, you want to go out about one thousand two hundred and twenty out, and then yeah. turn around. Yeah, but now my watch isn't working right. It's not. So we're gonna. Not Shannon did hers. That was her second open water. Yay, Shannon! Woo! All right. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. So how do you feel? Uh, left shoulder hurts a little bit. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, feels fine. All right. Yeah. It's as expected. Yeah. 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 Well, do you want me to go with him, Brian, and and you wait for? How how are you gonna know? Well, how far I need to keep going, and I need fuel in three and a half minutes. Okay. All right. So you did it. So you did. Lag. You did the double in two hours and twenty five minutes. Sweet. Nice. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect. Go get it. Are, are you? Do you want to break for a little yeah. bit? I'm good. Hurry up. All right. All right. So, how much further? I think that's it. That's 9,700. 9,700. And 1,300 on the way back would put us at 1,100, 11,000 yards. 11,000. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, 97. Yeah. 11,000 yards. That'll be more than 10 kilometers. That'll be over 10, just over 10k. Yeah. Do you want a salt tablet? Do I? Salt tablet. Nah, I'm good. Well, consider that you got to get on the bike afterwards. You might want to load up on some salt now. Know what I mean? No, I'm doing alternating. Okay. I'm good. All right. I'm not drinking that much water, really. It's taking me a long time to go through a bottle. All right. Well, you're looking strong. Your, your form is good. All right, man. Bring us home. Hey. Woohoo! Are you drinking already? You did it. Are you drinking already? Brett just uh, yeah, finished swimming 10,000, over 10,000 meters. Ultra baby, ultra distance triathlon. Oh. Alright man. <laughs> hey. Yes. You did it, buddy. Well done. Six point two three miles. Six point two three miles. Well done. All right. Fuel up. Fuel up. Get ready for your ride. Ninety plus miles. <laughs> Guess what you've earned? Ninety miles on the bike. Can you unlock the car? Is it unlocked already? I'll take care of it. All right. Get ready to start your run. How do you feel, man? My bike. My bike. Your bike. I'm not gonna run in these shoes. Or your bike. 
see how wild, whacked out I am. Getting ready to start Thanks for the bike. supporting me, man. That was awesome. It's great. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. You're awesome. You're great. Ten kilometers, a little over three hours. Nice. He's checking his gear. Not picking up my heart rate yet. He's checking out. Let's see if it does it. His computer pick up his heart rate. All right. And off he goes. No, wait. Hold on. I'm coming back. Oh, he's coming back. Okay. This is just an equipment check. Is it, is it working now? Yeah, but let me make sure I got her. Going to check. Got fuel, water, extra water, more water, sunscreen, music, phone, phone, spare, patch kit, or whatever. All right. All right. So if you think of anything, just call me. I'll All right. To you. See you later. All right, man. Good luck. See you later, buddy. I'll be back in just over an hour or so. Nice. Hour and ten. Okay. All right. 1105. Doing fine. I'm going. All right. Slow. One loop. Made it all the way across the All right. Yeah. How'd it feel? Good. It yeah. felt good. Sore, but good. Uh, oh, <laughs> hi. About, How's it going? Talking about doing, doing fine. How was your first loop, dude? Uh, I'm going really, really easy. Huh? Probably good policy. It's easy it? right now. Yeah. <laughs> See the sun's come but, out. Yeah, it's getting a little warm, but yeah. the uh, just like the swim, the first lap was really easy. Yeah. And then uh, not so much the third one. Okay. Well, you're making good time. And you then, came uh, in at, a, at an hour ten. Reaching behind my back to get bottles out and stuff. Uh huh. It my shoulder like seizes up both uh, sides. Okay. You know, from the swim, biceps will cramp and everything because the swim was. Do you want to put more water in your aero bottle? No, this one's full. Okay. I barely touched it. So I've got sunscreen and out of fresh water. We're going to take the kayaks back Okay. come back. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah, so it's taking me an hour and 11 to do a lap. Okay. Okay. Well done. All right, buddy. All right. All right. Love you. And you're doing awesome. Oh, a little sugar for the road. A little sugar. All right. Okay. Good job. Bye. 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 See you later. All right. So we put the kayaks in the back of the pickup truck. Emily, are you still recording this? Yes, I'm still recording. This. <laughs> yeah, of course you are. <laughs> of course, of course I am. So tell me about your morning. Oh wait, there's a problem. Oh. What's wrong? There's stuff in John's truck. Oh, that he needs. So don't take anything of mine away. Okay. Put it in my truck. Okay. Okay. Brett's telling us that there's stuff in there are articles items in the pickup truck that we're using to transport the kayaks and he wants to make sure that we remove it before we take the truck anywhere so, right. so my morning was good i kayaked um first with shannon and she did a mile and uh -huh. which was awesome her uh second long uh outdoor um what am i trying to say open, open water, water swimming, swimming. Open water <laughs> swimming. Like, okay yeah. her second then, one ever yeah ever and she swam a and mile. She, yeah, she did awesome. And then came back, and right after that, Dana got here. And Dana, come on in. <laughs> Dana, we understand that you are training for Ironman. Cozumel. Cozumel. Yes. All right. And um, now your husband. Yes, Ed. Ed yes. is a fan of the show. Yes, he is. You want to give him a shout out? Hey, Ed. <laughs> Thanks for all the support. There you go. There you go. Shannon. 
or she's on, I think she's on the phone. I hear okay. her voice. Yeah. So, uh, so how's your morning? Now you swam. I swam a back and forth, so two point four. Two point four miles. About yes. Yeah, and how did you feel? I felt good, but I think I need more practice before okay. the race. <laughs> okay. So a little bit more practice before yeah. the race. Good. That's felt great. great. great Thank you. Thanks, Emily, and, for kayaking. And, and, and Emily was kayak support yeah. on that. that and I've phenomenal. never made it all the way to the other side of the lake, so that was uh, good for me to get all the way over there. Because Kai swam all that way. He did. Across, and then he rode in the kayak on the way back. That's amazing. I, w- I was like, oh, my God, Kai's done this. Wow. Yeah, kids are amazing. Yeah. So, anyway. so it's a good morning. Yeah, it's everybody. a great morning. Everyone for everybody. Yeah, thanks so, for everybody's help. So, so Brett has done one loop, about mm-hmm. 23 miles in an hour 10. So that's good pace <laughs> for him. That's slow. Well, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. But uh, he he left in good spirits, and mechanically, the bike is fine, and he's doing all right. He said his left shoulder, there was shoulder is hurting him. It hurts him to reach back to get a water bottle. But uh, other than that, no complaints. Well, I guess I can see if he wants ibuprofen or something when he comes back. Sure. That's a good idea. All right, so next is to get the kayaks back. Mm -hmm. Is that what you want to do? And I'll I'll, uh, man the base here. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. I, Shannon said she would ride with me. I think she, in the unair conditioned truck. And um, but he was worried I was going to have all this stuff here. But I'll, I'll just take it out. But we're coming back. Yeah. I'm not dropping off the truck. So okay. It's all good. And I can okay. help with whatever you all oh, need no, as good. well. So. I'm just all taking right. these back and then coming back. Okay. So. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. Very good. Yeah. All right. Thank See you later. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Break. Okay. Um, <laughs> ready. Break. Break. Yeah. Um, yeah. All I got to do is get checked in. Woohoo, you're back. All right, what do you need? I need lots of water. Okay. Here is this has um horned juice. Horned juice. Hey, okay. All right. I got to get the photos in there. Okay. Horned juice. This is regular water. Okay. Okay. And I I have chilled some of this for you. Do you need any salt tablets? No, no. no I'm good. Okay. How's the equipment holding up? Oh, is that fuel? Yeah. Are you feeling okay? Uh-huh. All right, so that puts you at what, 43 miles? 44? Um, 46. 46. Nice. water jug I'm going to keep topping things off. All right. Water jug? Absolutely. So we go. So Brett is back, second lap. He's got 46 miles done in about two hours and 24 minutes. Hold down. What do you need? I need to hold the handle. You, want, you need to hold the handle. Okay, can you do that? Somebody hold that. Thank oh, you. you're going to okay. hold the handle. Okay. Tops off his arrow, bottle. Your stomach is good? Hmm. All right. It's got it topped off. Healed up. Um, there's a fuel bottle and a door over there. Okay. Somebody grab it. Let's see here. Fuel bottle. Um, when Chin and I were the kayaks back, um, there's these two dudes on mountain bikes riding this way. Top off his <laughs> and, uh, maple syrup fuel. Emily and Shannon saw some guy getting arrested yeah. just outside the park. Oh, well, maybe that was the guy. 
towed this lady. Okay. I asked her if she was okay, but I really wasn't stopping. Emily, where are the cowbells? <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is making this is making great podcast stuff right here. Tweaker. Yeah, I saw a tweaker walking. Where, where, Emily, where's the, the cowbells? All right. Oh, Bye, guys. Oh, no. Okay. Never mind. See you later. Okay. Good, good job. job. Good job. You rock it. You got it, buddy. 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 All right. A dog. Oh, my God. Are you serious? There's a small stray dog into the car. Oh, no. All right. Rock it. Off he goes. Start lap number three. He's looking good. All right. So you just completed your third lap. What's your mileage? 70.2. 70.2. Almost 69. Almost 69. Didn't get it. (laughs) So it's getting warm out there. Mm -hmm. All right. And you're going through your water. Need anything? Going through water a little bit. How about you've got... Didn't bring enough. Is that that, uh, sunscreen on your leg? Yeah. Okay. Not salt? Could be a little bit of salt too. All right. But I think I take three bottles. I got fuel. I got battery life. Okay. I think this should do me. Do you want any solid food? Mm-mm. No. All right. All right. So Emily has gone to run an errand and uh, to get Kai. Oh. Uh, so. Where's um? Whose car is she in? Uh, she's in your brother's truck, or her oh. brother's truck. Yeah. Her brother's truck. They got the kayaks back, no problem. Cool. Yep, so that's done, so one less thing to worry about. So um, hopefully she'll be back here in time to see you finish with Kai. All right. You okay back there? You, you need one yeah. back there? Nope. This one's broken. Oh, that's right. That one's your Nothing cage is broken. All right. Okay. You're looking strong, buddy. I peed at two hours, and I need to pee again. All right. Almost at four hours, so... I guess I'm hydrated enough. Yeah. So. Well, you're looking good. You got your color. So yeah. you got your wit about right. you. Which, yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Listening to Megadeth. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. So. See ya. Good. Woohoo! All right, thanks. Anytime. Yep, I'll get it. How are you doing? You all right? I'm fine. I'm just happy as all get out. I'm good. See ya. That's how we bring Brett in for the last part of his 90-mile ride. Oh, and he gets a kiss. Trophy girl. Trophy girl. What up? All right, man. Congratulations. A high five from Kai. Okay. There you go. Emily's going to take a photo. Okay, position yourself. Back up so you're really giving me a high five. Stand still. Yeah. All right. How do you feel? Like a waffle. Yeah, it's a little warm. And yeah, I got maple like syrup. Maple That's your oh, you butter right there. Water. The sunscreen. Yeah. And yeah. It smells like maple. So it got that hard was off and on because it's getting dehydrated from the sun. So. Mm-hmm. Ninety-two miles. Is that what you did? Ninety-three point six. Oh wow. Ninety-three six in uh, just under five hours. Yeah, four fifty-eight. Yeah. Nothing. Well done. Nothing. No, no, nice. nothing too. No, it didn't hurt at all. Mm-mm. Yeah. All right. Well. That hurt. <laughs> Cool. All right, man. All right. Are you ready All to right. eat something? Let's go eat. Out. It's day two of 
Ultra Baby, the Ultra Distance Triathlon, and Brett is out on the bike course with uh, Dana. Dana has joined him. She's uh, going to ride the entire 172 miles as well, and uh, and Shannon, another triathlete, is uh, going to ride uh, maybe 20 or so of the of the course. The course is um, consists of eight loops of a out and back course along the feeder road of a, of a highway here in Bryan uh, College Station, Texas. It's so a so what they are going to complete. This is Brett and Dana. It are seven loops of 11 miles out, 11 miles back. They're going to do that seven times, and then for their eighth loop, it's going to be a little bit shorter. So they'll go about eight out and eight back, uh, totaling right around 172. It's, uh, it's a clear day here. Uh, not a cloud in the sky, uh, winds about five miles sustained out of the north, uh, dry. So the humidity is going to be a lot lower than it was yesterday, uh, but with the sun up and no shade at all, we're expecting temperatures to reach into the low 90s. Uh, humidity is, is low, so the heat index will also be in the low 90s. There's not a bit of shade on this course. Maybe what you get from the occasional 18-wheeler uh, that'll pass along, but no shade at all. And uh, so Brett and Dana left uh, about an hour ago. I'm expecting to see them in here the next uh, 10 minutes. So uh, we'll be back with audio to uh, interview them and talk about how their first lap went. All right, here they are. Dana and Brett completing their first 22-mile loop, about hour 15. Looking happy, all smiles, standing together. All right, man. Hey, How do you feel? I rode with her in the first loop, so she knows, you know, the route. Okay. She loved it. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's cruising along. All right. What do you need? Um, I just grabbed a water bottle, that's all I needed. Okay. Just want to come back and you have that one full, then maybe back in there with this one. You got it. That's it. All right, man. All right. Okay, so we had you at an hour 15. Did you see Shannon? Shannon's out there too somewhere. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. We're just okay. cruising on the road. Okay. Wait a second, I want to get you on the podcast while you're doing that. <laughs> I'll be right out. I'll be right out. I'll be right out. And off he goes. He's looking strong. Wind's starting to pick up a little bit. All right. Before you before you go, how was it? It was awesome. It was yeah. a little windy on the way back, but uh, it's a really nice course and nice rolling hills. So Good. it's gonna be a fun day. Great. All right. Headed back out. All right. Welcome. See ya. You don't need anything? You can get on water, oh, get on fuel? All right. Yeah. See you. I know, baby. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe I won't oh. stop again. This is too traumatic. <laughs> Dana's son is 17 months old here. He's excited to see mom and uh, not too thrilled that she's leaving. So, but off she goes. About noon. All right. All right. So, second lap good? 
Sticking up good. Your wheels are feeling fine. Yeah. Stomach's Cruise. fine. Yeah. All good? All good. All right, man. Fine like sunshine or something like that. All right. All right. See ya. Bye. Off he goes. Start of lap number three. Okay, so those are compression tools on his calf? Those are compression, yes. And, are and what he has on his arms are arm coolers. They're designed to whip the... The, uh, the the moisture away and keep it cool. Yeah, cool. It's got all the cool gear. So the I I never know if I haven't used compression blades yet, but um, how do you know or wh when do you like use them while during running or biking versus after for recovery? Some people use them for both. Okay. They'll use a, a separate set. So right. the idea, of the, the the concept is that while you're exercising, uh -huh. they hold. The muscle more in place, so the, the the shaking, the jiggling, the vibration, which does so you have less fatigue there. It okay. also helps return the blood okay. back up through the body, so uh -huh. so that circulation helps the muscle. Same concept when you're done, but uh -huh. often folks will use just another set um, uh, for that. To, With different types of yeah. I think that it, it really doesn't that okay. doesn't matter. Different manufacturers will promote that they that their weaving or material mm -hmm. is a little bit different, but this okay. it's the same yeah. orthopedic support hose concept of, okay. of increasing circulation yeah. and compressing the muscle so it doesn't fatigue as off as much. That's that's the concept. Now there are some people who try it and they say, Hey, I don't no noticeable difference. Right. There are other people who swear by it. Yeah, yep. yeah, like anything. Yeah. Yep. All right. Oh. An update. We are seven hours and 28 minutes into the Ultra Baby Ultra Distance Triathlon Challenge. Today is day two. It is a 172-mile bike ride. Brett is has completed six of the seven, excuse me, six of the eight laps. Seven of them, 22 miles. The eighth lap, 18 miles. That will get him right at 172 miles overall. He's looking good. He's consistently doing each of the loops at an hour and 10 or 11, and he's uh, feeling strong. Although he is saying that it is getting hot and the heat is beginning to get to him. So um, he is hydrating, making sure that he's getting his electrolytes and he's getting his fuel, and uh, so he's doing everything, he's doing everything right. Also on the course is Dr. Dana. Dr. Dana is uh, training for Ironman Cozumel, and she uh, is looking to complete the 172-mile course as well. She's been through now five times, and um, so she's working on her sixth loop. She is uh, has been complaining a little bit about some stomach issues and some digestion issues, uh, and uh, she's looking to complete this loop, and it will continue on if that's what she's feeling like she wants uh, wants to do. So the athletes are doing well. And uh, also on a side note, Kai, Kai Bear, uh, scored uh, a winning goal in his soccer match to uh, take the game at two goals to one. So big, big happy shout out to Kai as well. All right, I'll be back with an update soon. Out. All right, eight hours, 23 minutes into it. The end of lap seven. Nice split, dude. Nice bike split. Did you ever find your water bottle? Uh, I found it. I haven't picked it up yet. Okay. All right. What do you need? I think I'm fine. I'm going to pick it up. All right. Okay. Left. Left. What do you need? Uh, 
Water? Water? Dana water, just water. came through like she just left. And she's in 136.9. She's going to try to do 150 and stop. She's dizzy. And I said, you yeah. don't think you need to stop? And she's like, no, I really want to do 150. I know. She's stubborn like everyone else here. Like who? And she's a, a physician. I'm like, really? And she goes, I know. <laughs> Dad, I won't lie. Are you recording it? Yes. Oh, great. I heard you scored <laughs> the goal. You get the sunburn. I know. You go, sir? Yeah, nurse, I know. Yeah, oh, I've only got uh, a little bit to go, and I'm done. About 16 to go? That's it. So your last Where short loop, remember? i got like 13 to go. 13 to go? Where All are right. you looking at that? 16. Okay. All right. All right. Feeling good? All right. Yeah. All right, you're strong. All right. Last you. loop. Nice split. You want any Advil or you? Hey, could you go get me a water burger? Okay. So okay. There's Dana right there. With uh, jalapenos? Yeah. Okay. I try. And a real coke. So how long are you thinking this is going to take for 13? 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Good one, Brian. All right, man. Sail! Here comes Dana. Nine hours and four minutes. All right. All right. Awesome job. Uh, all right. So what's your so what's your total? 150. 150. Yes. You stud. 150.1. You overachiever. You. Yeah, I know. Right. Well done. Oh, uh, gets a kiss from hubby and from her son. That's how you do it. Hi, my That's right. Well done. Thanks, guys. How do you feel? Better. Good. You look better. You look, yeah, that you, you last look better. I yeah, I wasn't feeling good in the middle. All right, do you need anything? Um, no, I think I'm good. All right, well. I, uh, just want to... Are you okay, sweetie? Yeah. I miss my breath. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well done. Thank you. Okay. That was fun. That was fun. I got with Sure, sure, yeah. 150 miles. That was fun. That was a good time. Said very few people ever. Yeah, right. You heard one here. That's great. All right. That's the person uh, waiting to be committed to him. Yeah, something like that. Like, great. Okay. Yeah, get a family photo there. There you go. That's right. Well done. Okay. Sweet. Hey, look here. Look here. There you go. Here we are. The end. 172 miles. Ultra baby. Ultra distance triathlon. What? What did he say? He didn't. He didn't get it. He need, what, needs a little bit more. All right. He's he is wanting to be legit. Make sure his odometer crosses over 170.0. Nine hours, 15 minutes. Are you there? I think I need to be removed from my bicycle. <laughs> Peeled off from it? Look at you. Permanently affixed to it? Oh, wait. Look at you. What? Like on Dumb and Dumber when they had to peel off. It was 176 miles. Yeah. Zen Tribe, 176 oh, miles. Yeah. There you did. All right. Well done. Okay. Uh, All right. Kiss from his best. Thank you. Kiss awesome. from his girl. Awesome. Hey, right. Dana. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Well done. Did you do high five? High five? There you Woo! go. High five. Uh, I don't feel that bad. Good. I just, you know, back and forth between feeling bad and not feeling bad.
Oh, all of us? We've got to get the photos. Oh, yeah, get Zen Tri Nurse has got to be in there. All right, well done, bud. Way to go. Picture of Ed, too. You want me in there? Okay, cool. I'll take right. it Okay. So What's your reaction to this? I'm glad he's done. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. One, seven, it's a long six, day. Nine hours, Little 15 girl. minutes. That yeah. is Dudley. All right. Crazy. Okay. Wow, day two is done. Yay! All right, day three of Ultra Baby. Brett's getting ready for his 52-mile run. Ooh. And we're discussing nutrition, course, time checks, Wish there was a nurse in the house. Only. <laughs> and lubing your well, undercarriage. I think the nurse has decided to be off-duty. Well, my patient won't listen to me anyway, so why should I try? I listen to you. I'm being real, I'm really well hydrated. I'm weighing myself every night and every morning, every day, mm-hmm. to make sure I'm staying hydrated. And it's working. It is working. I'm adding salt to everything. I had cereal this morning. I sprinkled salt on my cereal. I saw you salting your salt. Yeah. It's good. So you've lost only one pound? Mm-hmm. Is that what I heard? I'm doing something. Okay. One pound. That's it. That's good. So All right. That's, that's within a margin of error, you know, I mean, you know that, of hydration, you know, who knows? So but it's pretty even. Call that the same. So last night we marked the run course. We have, uh, it's through your neighborhood here in the mm-hmm. subdivision, Bryan, Texas, and there are two courses. College Station, Texas. College Station. We don't go to Bryan. Oh, Oh, uh, 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 all right. Well, you spell it with a, with a Y down here. Yeah. See, where I grew up, because my name is spelled with an I. Oh, yeah. But the, my mother would pronounce my name. It would be two syllables, Brian. Brian. But then I came. Like to, Emily. Then I, but I came to Texas, and, they, and I realized that my they corrected me that my name only has one syllable, Brian. Brian. Oh yeah. Brian. 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 Salty water that you put you cucumbers in to make pickles. But anyhow, we digress. We mark the course. We have two courses. Uh, two courses. Course A, course B. Mm-hmm. Course A is uh, Lupe and Lupe. Lupe, Lupe and Lupe B. For variety. That's right. That's right. Uh, each one is. Uh, I'm about to look it up to see how long each one is. Okay. I'm guesstimating about three miles. Yeah, one's three and one's two point nine or something like that. Okay. So, oh, we had fun watching the uh, Ironman World Championships last night. Yeah, great performance. Go T.O. Uh, go. I, I'm trying to find out if Lionel Sanders actually wore a camelback on the bike, which <laughs> is both ridiculous and also super smart, because I did that in an Ironman or something one uh-huh. time, something long, and it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It was uh, really smart. Uh, you can load it up with ice, you know, to stay cool. Okay. So maybe that's what he did, and it's real aerodynamic, so... Why are you asking if he did that? Because I saw a rumor on the inter- interwebs. Got to double check everything yeah. on that. All right, so um, uh, let's see. You know, doing a distance, doing a distance doing check a distance. here. Yeah, so we were marking the course last night, and uh, we had like the the neighborhood watch came and and it grilled us like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you lost? Are you lost? Why are you?" And I go. That was in a, in a New York accent, right? That was my New York accent. Well, you boys lost. What are you doing, uh, Mrs. Kravitz? I said, uh, remember, I go, no, we're good. Are you lost? Yeah. 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 Trying to find someplace? Are you trying to find something? And then, uh, and she goes, no, you guys are just, uh, you know, I see you guys kind of just hanging around, doing stuff. (laughs) And I said, no, we're marking a run course. Uh, Lived here for years. 
<laughs> lives here forever or something. Lives here forever. She's like, okay. Okay. Where, where was this again, Rhett? Mm, up by Castlegate Park. Okay, so the yeah, whole thing is 6.12 miles. You know, if, you, if you want to run it with us, feel free to come out. So if, you ran, so if you ran loop A <laughs> and, and B, B, it's 6.12 miles. miles. I don't know where right. we're going. Yeah, okay. Red season. High okay. season. All right. So, and we're waiting on, um, see if we're joined by anybody. So I'm going to start at 7. Yeah. That way we have an even start time, which is in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, well, that doesn't really matter that much, but the uh, and also to take advantage of the cool weather because at seven we'll be able to see and it's actually a little bit cool outside for a while. Yeah. And um, unlike the biking and the swimming, it's not as much cooling flow yeah. across the body, so I'm really worried about getting overheated today. So I'm gonna go ahead and start, and then um, Kai's gonna go with me on his bicycle while I run for a while. Can okay. you stay here? Absolutely. And when Dana shows up. I'll show her the show course. Her the course. Yep. And um, now I just need to go loop my crotch. Yep. Not have yep. I'm not going to get any assistance from the nurse, apparently. I've already yeah, asked. Apparently. Would you like some audio of course, recording of that? might start later. <laughs> <laughs> Lower. 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 Ultra Baby 2015 Ultra Distance Triathlon Day 3 has begun. It's a 52-mile, probably maybe a mile or two even longer than that, run here in College Station. Brett took off exactly at 7 o'clock on the dot with his son Kai, who's 11, and they ran the first of 18 three-mile loops. And uh, Brett's looking good. He's uh, running a steady 10 minutes um, per mile pace. He has now completed three loops. Uh, he has run one with Kai, as I mentioned, and then he's run one with Emily, and he's also run up one with uh, their friend Shannon. Um, once they started on the course, I then uh, went out and remarked and did some additional marking of the course and uh, made sure that the course is clear, and it is, and I also rode alongside, uh, I'm on a mountain bike, uh, rode alongside um, Dr. Dana as she completed her first two three-mile loops. Uh, she'll probably get in around uh, 15 miles or so uh, uh, is her plan. So it's, a, it's a, another beautiful day here, a little bit more hazy than yesterday. We have winds coming out of the south, so there's a bit more humidity. Expected high today is 95 with humidity close to 80%, so it's going to get sticky for, for Brett here later on. But uh, we're holding down the, the transition area, which is the, the garage of their home, uh, tossing the football and, um, and playing with the dogs. So um, we're just going to wait for him to come on in, and uh, we'll give you an update. See you. Oh, Ten laps down. See you, Brett. Yep. Ten laps down. Each lap about uh, three miles. Five hours and 55 minutes. So he's making great time. Oh, yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah. 
That's right. All right. Finish mile 17, or lap 17 of 18. Right, man? I feel like I'm in a zombie movie. You got it. You got this, though. You got it. What do you need, buddy? Wheelchair. A wheelchair. Holy crap. I'll have that foot at the end. Yeah. All right, Kate. You got it. Last bit. Go, go, go. Pull the scooters out and leave them here in case you go. Yeah, there's a man on a mission. That's a man that's been working hard. Yeah, good guy. Good guy, y'all. I would be back. Thanks for listening. Here he is. Last 50 yards, 11 hours, 41 minutes. Ultra Baby concludes day three with a 52 mile run. Coming in, a steady jog, Emily by his side, <clears throat> Kai and some friends have the blue ribbons stretched out across the road. The cowbells are ringing. Slowly making his way to the finish line. Okay, I've got the recorder going. He's got his own re recording information, his own recording device going. He's he stopped his start. To start his MP3 recorder. Oh yeah, sitting down afterwards. Sorry, man. Hey, dude. Congratulations. Thank you all, man. You are welcome. You are welcome. Did it. Amazing feat. You did it. Yes, you did I do it. I freaking did it, dude. You freaking did it. That's right. I freaking did it. I'll yeah, edit that go. out. There you go. We'll take it out in post. Okay. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well done. All right. Did you have fun, dude? Yeah, I did. Yeah? Yeah. I'm happy to uh, be part of this small part of what you did. I'm, I'm happy to do my it little bit. It was so cool, all the people that came out. That yeah. was nice. Yeah. It's just the right amount. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Well, congratulations, dude. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you... You got to go? No, no. Okay. Let you get all refueled and, and, and relaxed and all that, and we'll catch up. We were across in the intersection way down there, uh -huh. and right in the middle of the intersection, right before it, I started feeling really bad. Yeah. And then uh, I go, I grabbed him, and I go, i got to throw up. And I threw up dead center in the intersection crossing the street, and there was cars trying to turn. <laughs> and it was water, you know, liquid, just yeah. projectile, just... <clears throat> and just... Probably like a quart or two of just water. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever it was, and then, yeah. but liquid. And because um, you haven't had solid food in oh my god, twelve hours. Yeah. And uh, Emily, you know, was making sure I was okay and stuff. And I, I kept throwing up and throwing up. And then uh, finally, it, you know, I stopped. And then I started walking and felt way better. So that was the reason I was. You know, lagging so bad with something in my stomach. So, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, man. All right. Thank you, Mr. Brode. Always an awesome guy from the great city of Dallas. Came down to help out with all that. Spent three days with me doing that ultra baby uh, ridiculousness. So, I hope that uh, everybody can uh, show him some respect and thank him for doing that. That was really, really, really cool. 
And hopefully uh, next year he'll come down and do uh, whatever I do next year, or I'll go do whatever he does. We've been doing stuff together for years and years and years now. He's uh, definitely my wingman. I love it. All right, let's go ahead and read off some donations to the show. And I had um, I had a fantastic email from somebody that I've lost, and it was just like, man. This show is so awesome. Everybody ought to listen to it. Signed, this guy. And I wish I had it. I can't find it. But let me go read off other emails and donations. Uh, Brian Kemper, Todd Endicott, Jessica Woodruff, Dan Machia, Allison Frutos, Matthew Froes, M. Webb, Erica Dennison, El Senor, Tyler Moyer, Spiros Fetsis, Peter Salzen, Dwayne Morin, longtime donor, Daniel, or Nathaniel uh, Lebeck. Joseph Rogalski, what's up, Joe? And Daniel Stark. Joseph, let me back up. Joseph is one tough dude, man. Okay, uh, Richard Tragal, what to, to, uh, Houston Marsh, and Ken Soderquist, and Ralph Jacobson, who I coach. And I think that's it. If you want to donate to Zentry, it's really easy to do. You go to the left side of the podcast page, zentrathlon.com, and look for the Donate by PayPal button. And we don't do all that Patreon complication and all that stuff. You just donate straight up and then be done with it. Piece of cake. And that's the way that's the way we roll. So uh, you can set up a one-time or a, a multiple a recurring donation, a subscription, for uh, just like $3.95 a month. It's almost nothing. But it helps out. You listen to all those names I just listed out. Man, that really helps out with bandwidth and with justifying the time that it takes to put together a show and doing all this craziness with uh, stringing everything together. And also, I wanted to mention Hornet Juice. If you... Oh, man. You want the Hornet Juice, you... You can't go without it, dude. I mean, it's stuff is just crazy. I used it during the uh, Ultra Baby on day one and day two. With all the running on day three, I think I went without it. And that was probably a mistake, right? Day three was my hardest day. <laughs> Should have stuck with it. But I did maple syrup and hornet juice and green tea powder. And those three together um, had me uh, just cruising along with uh, hardly any trouble whatsoever and just uh, sipping on fuel, and we're, those were nine and ten-hour days, three days in a row. One day, day three was a 12-hour day, and uh, hornet juice is an amino acid that turns on your body. It's, it's basically a protein that it's just a powder, and it's not that many calories at all. It's like 60 calories, and it lasts an hour and a half, and it signals your body to burn extra fat, so it gives you extra energy. And also that protein can help repair your muscles a little bit while you're exercising, especially these long days, like big training days. And um, when you take it, it feels like diesel fuel. It's absolutely amazing. I get so many emails from people that are like, holy crap, you are not kidding. It's absolutely crazy. And uh, yeah, the whole thing, (laughs) the whole thing where uh, I can tell if you're doing repeat orders and yeah, it's like a 10 pack and then 30 <laughs> where people come back and go, holy crap, that was amazing. And yeah, so check it out, man. I'm really excited to, uh, they're probably my longest sponsor maybe. 
I think so. I've been doing, been doing that forever and I use it on a regular basis. I got some in my pantry that I just ordered the other day. And, um, when I get back into long hours, I'm, uh, going to start using it again, which will probably be pretty soon. I keep getting asked what my next thing is. And the only thing I've signed up for officially is the, um, the Ironman in Whistler next summer, like July. So I need to sign up for some stuff. I'll probably do Galveston half and then a couple other things uh, leading up to that. And uh, my left foot is a little bit injured. So I'm trying to uh, keep that together and not get hurt uh, any worse than it is. And after, uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you now, I've been doing um, tomorrow, if I run another seven miles, that'll be 50 miles in a week. And that's actually pretty easy. It's an hour a day, hour and five minutes, hour and 10 minutes, kind of depending on, you know, kind of what you're doing. But the um, the left foot has got severe uh, plantar fasciitis in it. So I'm just jogging uh, really easy because if I jog hard or I jog fast or if I jog uphill, then uh, then it hurts bad the next day. If I just jog easy, then it doesn't hurt the next day. So it just seemed, it seemed to take forever to heal. And I'm trying to do everything I can to see if I can get it to heal without actually stopping training because I enjoy training. It's a lifestyle and uh, I enjoy it. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next segment of the show. I sat down and went through all the details of uh, what I did to uh, train for and race the, um, the Ultra Baby. And so all the details where you're trying to uh, figure out if you want to do this yourself, um, what it takes. Um, I also looked at volume. I trained at most like 22 hours per week uh, for a few weeks, and then I would do a week easy, then I'd go back and hit it hard. But it wasn't all about volume. I did... um, a lot of hard intensity work on the bike. I considered the whole thing to really be a a, a biking race um, because that amount of time on the bike, you know, a full day and a half on the bike and then having to run after that meant that if I was a crappy biker, well, then my legs would be destroyed for the run. So if I was an Uber biker, well, then I could just bike easy and then I, my legs would um, be pretty good shape for the run. And that's exactly how it turned out. And uh, that's a strategy that I think a lot of people uh, could use on Ironmans where uh, the run sucks in an Ironman. So they train the run, they train the run, they train the run. Well, by the time they get to the run, because they haven't trained the bike, well, their legs are pretty trashed. And uh, actually, um, it's having being an incredible cyclist makes it so the bike doesn't bother you. And, uh, then you can start the run with uh, legs that aren't defaced so incredibly, but, um, <clears throat> let's go ahead and, uh, get started with the audio. And when you come back, I'll tell you who won the Ronda Rousey fight and my, uh, impressions on it. Why don't we do that? It'd be pretty cool. All right, here we go. All right, let's go ahead and get started with recording the uh, wrap-up on little tips and bits and tricks that I used to accomplish the Ultra Baby. And uh, 
Let's go ahead and start off with, oh, oh, I'm in the training cave, and I just had a baked potato with guacamole. Uh, guacamole is really high in fat. It's really good. And then uh, uh, fiber, and now I'm drinking a green tea, matcha powder green tea that I shake every once in a while in a water bottle. And uh, with um, all the baked potato, I got guacamole and uh, sriracha sauce and sea salt. And then the uh, matcha powder... I'm drinking right now with a little bit of salt in it. And what's the other thing? <clears throat> I forgot what to put in. Oh, a little bit of fiber. I'm going to try high fiber, fiber supplementation for a little while. Try to start losing weight for uh, Ironman Canada next summer. I want to get it figured out. So start now. Anyway, the uh, I got about 15 pounds I could lose. So the thing is... Somebody asked me the other day, and now we're about two weeks out from doing Ultraman, maybe three weeks. Uh, somebody asked me the other day the how long I trained for it, and I thought about it for a minute, and I said, actually, about 10 years. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened was uh, around 2006, 2007, I uh, did, I think that was... I did um, Ironman Wisconsin, and I'd already done two self-supported Ironmans, but I really didn't know what I was doing, and I got uh, professionally coached that year, 2006, 2007, and I got a real tri-bike, and that's when the training got very real. Dropped my time by two hours, and um, then I learned how to actually train, like how to schedule things, kind of like food timing while there's like training timing. When do you bike? When do you run? When do you swim? All that stuff. And that was really cool. So 10 years of training. Um, but the whole past year has been with it uh, on my mind. And because the uh, doing trying to do an Ultraman was my scared straight. It was finally something big enough uh, where I didn't know what I was doing. So I better really buckle down and train seriously and train really hard. And, you know, a lot of times people don't do the right thing until they have an epic event which changes their mind you know like quitting smoking well you know their uh their relative gets lung cancer they get lung cancer you know and they're like well i better quit well i decided that i was going to do a self-supported ultraman <laughs> and then i was like ah crap um and i've really you know i searched my feelings um and really decided yeah i'm really going to do this i really want to do it and the uh the result was, man, you are going to have to train a lot. And uh, so finally, I did. I actually did the amount of training that I should be doing for an Ironman to do better in an Ironman, is my opinion. And um, having never done an Ultraman, you know, I didn't know exactly how much training, you know, I I should do or whatever. Just that it was just tons, absolutely tons. And I didn't do tons of training per se. I did a lot of polarized training, which is where you're mixing in intervals and stuff, and it worked fine. But I did as much training as um, as my time allowed for. And um, that all reminds me. I want to cover in a future episode about feng shui, and that's um, where you try to organize your life and your stuff and the things that you do with flow. Um, so that you channel energy um, and you use the natural flow of things to uh, make your life a little bit better. And I learned about that probably in 2001. And the uh, 
all this uh, Zen stuff and all this all this uh, triathlon stuff and and uh, like when I was working with Tawny and I wasn't really sure like you know this isn't really ringing true with me and stuff but like whether or not I was going to do an Ultraman not really buckling down on it until I really decided that I felt like for sure I wanted to know it that's all like really paying attention to your feelings and then um, it's kind of like if only do stuff if it's hell yeah and don't do stuff uh, say hell no unless it's hell yeah and uh, really going with the flow and stuff I've learned actually over the years I think zen is a lot of feng shui and um, I've learned a lot about it. I want to co- cover that in future episodes the feng shui of um, how to do things I had a a, a big moment in my life where I used it and it really worked and um, it changed changed me forever so back in 2001 all right so we'll cover that in a future episode i think it's really cool um another thing is uh people couldn't comprehend the distances that i was trying to do uh when i told them so eventually i wrote it down um at work on the dry erase board so when people would just casually i didn't talk, go around talking about it all the time but people would say okay you're gonna do what again and i'd go okay there it is right there because the distances when you tell it's um uh, you know they're like i wouldn't drive that far in a day i hate driving 50 miles and you're gonna run that you know and which day is that it gets you get kind of like all sidetracked or whatever it's nice just to have it written down um but really the um that helps save you time and trying to explain it to people and then also um because the more you save time and the more clear you can be actually you might be able to get some help from people because now it's clear to them they'll say oh you know what um i could probably help you with that run on sunday i'll be around town or wherever you're going to do something and also i'm always trying to like talk about this as this is a self-supported ultraman but this kind of stuff applies you know to anything that you're doing um Let's see. Uh, I went farther on the bike uh, than they do in Ultraman Hawaii to make up for the elevation gain difference. I'm reading notes that I've got here. And again, uh, when John was interviewing me, um, he I was I was re-listening to it, and he he made the comment. So why'd you go farther? You know, you kind of wanted to stick it to him, you know. And I just laughed and I said, well, maybe, but actually, um, you know, out of respect for Ultraman Hawaii, uh, you know. If I had the money, I totally would have gone and done Ultraman Florida to qualify for Ultraman Hawaii, like all this stuff, right? Um, it's more of a money issue and a, yeah, almost entirely a money and a time issue. I'm just not in a place where I can do it. So because I can't, you know, pay to do all this stuff, the, um, and I got a family and all that, I can't take time away from work to go do it. I just did it on my own. And, um, so I was trying, when I started looking at the elevation differences, I was pretty blown away by how much climbing that they do on the bike at Ultraman Hawaii. And um, I've done lots of hilly races, lots of mountain biking, lots of all kinds of stuff. And that shit is real. When there's elevation gain, that slows you down. It slows you down and it wears you out. It's a double whammy. And um, so I was trying to um, make my event as comparable to theirs as I possibly could out of respect, not to stick it to them whatsoever. I don't want to go around saying I've done an Ultraman when the, um, it's not, uh, it's significantly easier 
than uh, the one that they do. So uh, that's why I went further on the bike. My plan was to go further on the swim and further on the run. Um, but that turned out to not really happen. And I'm okay with that. That's, it was fun. The, uh, I, I went just a tiny bit further and that's, um, and that's my habit whenever I do a self-supported anything just to verify that at least I did the distance because you always get a little percentage of error. So I'd rather error, you know, one or 2% on the positive side. And that's that. Okay. That's enough of that crap. Anyway, uh, when I went by Aggieland bike shop to tell them, the, uh, my local bike shop to tell them what I was planning on doing. I just men- mentioned it offhanded, you know, that I was going to do that in a week or something or a couple of weeks. Their comment was, <laughs> the guy just looked at me and he goes, uh, you're going to need a new drivetrain. <laughs> and he meant, you know, I'm just going to wear my freaking bike out. And uh, I'm actually on the prowl for a bike sponsor. And I love the new Canyon and BMC and, and uh, Cervelos and all that other stuff. Um, so if you know of somebody that, or you are somebody that wants to work with me on a bike sponsorship for a, a, um, a replacement bike, because I've got three years on this frame and then 10 years on some of the accoutrements, the wheels and all that stuff. Um, I'm definitely on the prowl and then you would have a title bike sponsor for the, um, for the podcast uh, all the time. I mentioned my bike constantly. Anyway, the, um, quote I have here from this guy named Malte Bruns and, oh yeah. So he said that this is the age grouper, the German age grouper that won Kona. If you listen to the last episode, you'll say that I had the endorphin rush hit me, um, the runner's high a bizarre one that was totally like a morphine or heroin, which is what that those are basically your body's chemicals for the endorphin rush, dopamine and serotonin that you get from doing something awesome. Hold on, I can take a sip. Okay, that tastes like crap. The I took it um, or I had it two days later when I walked into Target. I was listening to this interview. Which you're like, why didn't it happen during or like immediately after, right? And um, Malte Bruns was doing an interview, maybe on I Am Talk, and he said, his quote is, yeah, at some point on my flight back home, four days later, I got quite a rush of endorphins realizing what I did, not just in this race, but also during the whole year. So he said he was sitting on the plane and just had a runner's high hit him all of a sudden. And I bet when he was done with the race, he was just kind of tooling around the island, and that's no big deal because he'd been around the island for a while. But then getting to the airport and getting on the plane, wham, it was like, whoa, weird, man. And that's exactly what happened to me when I walked into Target, being surrounded by a totally different scenario and scene. Okay, I got zero cramps the entire time of this thing, which is absolutely amazing because a lot of races I get cramps and stuff. And... What I did was listening to Tawny Prezak's show, the same lady that mentioned using uh, maple syrup, which is, which is also what I used during during the entire thing, maple syrup and hornet juice. Um, she said preload with salt. And so I thought, I'm going to give that a try because it made sense what she was talking about. Plenty of salt in your system so your body can dig into it as needed. And yeah, so like I just salted everything the whole week leading up to the, uh, not the week, but a few days leading up to the uh, race and every spare 
any time I had, any meal at night, overnight, salt, 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 salt. And it worked. And also, polarized training has you doing intervals. And those make you uh, super strong and your muscles really resistant to uh, fatigue. And cramps, in my experience, cramps come from being undertrained, uh, underhydrated, undersalted, and, uh, and then going uh, too far or too hard. Um, that combination will lead you to uh, cramps. And it happens all the time, happens in training. It uh, happens to lots of people lots of times. And so by going easy, but in training, so uh, my average watts on the bike was like 175 watts. But in training, I was doing intervals of like 400 watts, you know, just for a minute or two. But that, when your muscles can handle huge output. Uh, you train yourself up to stuff like that. Well, then you're really making your muscles stronger than uh, what the, um, the event is is going to throw at you. And so as long as you stay on top of your assault and your hydration, boom, you should be covered, you know? And as long as you don't do a race that's a lot harder or go too fast or go farther than what you trained for, then you should be fine. And I've noticed that too. I'll go into a race undertrained and I'll get like cramps and stuff like that. I go into a race uh, trained and you hardly ever get cramps. Um, and then the whole salt thing, right? There's not that, that seems to be the whole mystery right there. So if you have problems, then uh, you ought to, Rewind that and listen to it again or send me an email. And uh, let's see. Um, on the bike, I did training. Uh, the bike course I picked out that I made for myself was uh, really hilly uh, for around here. And so what I did was I knew I was going to be sitting upright and riding like that a bunch. So what I did, uh, a lot of my training, I did five minutes in the arrow position, um, one minute sitting upright. Five minutes in the arrow position, one minute sitting upright. So that way I was working both systems. If uh, they use your leg muscles slightly differently, and that broke up my training, so that was really nice. Um, another thing I did was before the race, it hit me like a few weeks out. Like, I wonder what everybody's time was like for the swim and for the run and, you know, and for the bike. Like what were good mile per hours and, you know, how long did they finish the winners, you know, and stuff. And as soon as I thought of that, I go... I told myself, don't look, do not look, because then what you'll do is you'll be comparing yourself and you'll be uh, trying to speed up because like, what, what if you're a few minutes behind, you know, like one of the best times. Um, and so now if you just speed up a little bit, you can match somebody's time and you can talk about how you match somebody's time, whatever. And I thought that is the recipe for disaster. Do not do that. And so I didn't, and it was kind of hard, but actually not that hard. I just purposely did not go look at other people's um, times. And I think that was a huge part of the success in getting it done. Um, I tapered for a couple of weeks, starting with a vacation in Boston. We went to Boston, I think it was. And the um, that vacation in Boston, we were there four days. My legs were killing me because right before that, I had crushed them. <laughs> doing hard running, hard biking. And then that four days, I didn't do anything. And by the end of that, my legs felt a little bit better. And then the weekend before we did the ultra baby, I did, um, I did some hard training on the bike, like short, hard intervals to keep my legs tough. 
and I think that was it. Yeah, and then more salt on everything. Um, okay, so day before the race, that was all the lead up stuff to the race. Day before the race, we had to go rent kayaks. I had to borrow my uh, brother-in-law's truck, which I think he still owes me the straps back. And I uh, went and checked the lake temperature with Brian, um, marked the bike course with duct tape. That's really cool. So I went and bought hot pink, um, fluorescent pink duct tape, several rolls of it. And then just stuck it to the ground and then stomped up and down with it. Brian uh, Brode went with me and we did that together. That was a lot of fun. And while we were out on the course, we stopped by the lake and checked the water temperature. And it looked like it was going to be warm enough to swim without a wetsuit, which was cool. And then um, also that day, I shaved my legs um, since the swim was not going to be... and it does save a significant amount of time on the bike to shave your legs. So uh, the swim, I wasn't going to be wearing a wetsuit. And so I was like, okay, I need to shave my legs. And I just used an electric clipper and did that. I didn't really shave, shave. It got it down enough. And then um, we went and bought seven gallons of water <laughs> to keep in my car over the next few days. Did some math. I kind of figured out how much water I'd need. Um, turns out I didn't use that much for some reason. But anyway, the... Um, I also went and bought, like the week leading up, uh, a whole bunch of maple syrup, and I used that the uh, whole time for my fuel, and it worked great up until the second half of the run on the last day, and that actually gets complicated. When you're piling on food at night, um, and also the heat of the run, you it's hard to tell what's making your uh, digestive tract back up. You know, it could be what you ate the night before or the day before. So except for that, it seemed to work really, really, really well. And that was cool. All right. Day one um, was the swim and the bike. Uh, eight hours and 32 minutes total, including a 20-minute transition. <laughs> Getting my bike out of the car and putting the rear wheel on. Um, and... Let's see, uh, on the swim, I stopped for fuel every 20 minutes, and I told Brian that before we got going, and just swam super easy. I think Brian said that I swam, it was back and forth across the lake, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times, and um, he said I was knocking out the the same pace constantly. I was never slowing down, just kind of cruising along, and that was cool. Um, I think that was... Uh, we started at 7.30 in the morning, and the swim took me three hours and 13 minutes for 10K, 6.2 miles. So uh, I'm trying to think. That was about – oh, I don't know what that was. Uh, I forgot what pace that is. I'd have to go look that up. Anyway, I'm going to post the links to the uh, workouts, quote-unquote, the the swims and the bike and the run and uh, swim and the bikes and the run on uh, the blog. It's in triathlon.com. You can go see like how fast I was going and where I went, elevation gain, all that stuff. Um, the, yeah, 20 minutes for fueling. Uh, I would just take some more, um, what do we call it? Uh, maple syrup and uh, just keep on going with a little bit of orange juice mixed in. And um, what, something interesting happened. My right shoulder started rubbing from my chin stubble. Uh, from I shaved the day before or the day before that. And, um, that was weird. I never had that happen before where my, uh, my chin rubbed my shoulder. It's odd to the point of where it left a little rash the, uh, ne- over the next few days, uh, like burn and rug burn from my chin. Okay. So then the bike ride, I ended up doing, 
uh, once I got on 93.64 miles, and I averaged like 18 and a half miles per hour or something like that. And what I did is I pretty much went by heart rate. And to me, heart rate is critical because it's the reflection of what the work that you're doing on your body and the stuff that you're doing on your body. Now, so watts is the work that you're putting out. That's it. That's nice and very important. So that's that's uh, contraceptive, <laughs> right? Don't put out more watts, you know, or do put out enough watts, all that stuff, right? But the uh, that's the input is your watts, but your output is your heart rate, the effect that the environment, the work, the hydration, and the fuel is on your body. So I was trying to keep my heart rate uh, lowish. And how do you do that? Well, you hydrate. And uh, towards the end, uh, my heart rate started climbing a little bit. And so I slowed down more and, and drank more water um, to bring my heart rate back down. And uh, that worked. It worked great. Uh, for uh, what did I wear on the bike? I wore a cycling kit. Uh, I think the Amrita kit the first day. And that was my second most comfortable kit is in the Amrita one. And it had, um, I also wore uh, DeSoto uh, arm coolers, which work really well. Um, they're my favorite ones. And then um, SkinSake is like this lube uh, that's sticky. And I uh, put a ton of it on my crotch and my my taint and all that crap, uh, before uh, starting off on the bike, I only had to put it on once. Now this bike ride, this 90 something bike ride, 93.6 mile bike ride. Um, I'd gotten up to doing 90 miles once or twice in training. And, um, so I, I wasn't really worried about that. Right. Uh, it's just a long swim. And then the bike ride's going to be kind of hot and, uh, but just go easy. I'm not getting into some unknown territory on that. Combining it with a huge swim, yeah, that's pretty interesting. But I tapered, you know, for almost a week and been eating and salting and everything. So I was like, okay, that's not gonna be that big of a deal. Um, but I had, of course, a couple unusual things happen. Uh, the very first time I reached behind my, gra- my back to grab a water bottle off the rear bottle cage carrier thing. <laughs> My arm seized up, and then I was like, ah, crap. And then I switched. I was like, well, maybe uh, it's just that one arm. Maybe I'll try my other arm and reach it on the other side. Nope. <laughs> Same problem. And uh, I was wearing a full cycling kit, right? So I was using the jersey pockets on the back for stuff, for food and, you know, um, just anything. I was holding salt pills, you know, my phone and all that. And uh, that's higher up on your back. So reaching behind your back to grab those really hurt. And I was like, well, that's new. I haven't really experienced that before. And then, uh, so that was a new experience to me. And, um, also it's, I think it was day one. Yeah, it was day one. Um, I was reaching for the bottle, uh, and it felt loose in the cage in the cage, but it was in the right spot. So then I pulled the bottle out, was holding it in my teeth and I felt the cage and the cage was cracked. And I was like, ah, crap. And then, um, but then that made me really glad that I was carrying water bottle or I had on the uh, cycling jersey, right? Because you can put water bottles in the uh, jersey pockets behind you. And so that came in handy big time. So I was glad that I wore a cycling jersey with the big pockets. Uh, For something this big, I would recommend that for sure. And, or if you're doing an Ironman and, you know, it's new to you, it's going to be big. You don't know what you're going to need to carry. Just do a cycling kit tight fitting cycling kit, uh, arrow drag from a loose fitting kit is, uh, the worst thing on the bike. That is so on arrow, slow you down big time. 
And um, both cycling kits I wore day one and day two were really tight um, and to the point of where, uh, yeah, they made very little aero drag, which was cool. Um, the bottles, uh, I as I was kind of starting to get stuff together for the race, you know, like the month or two leading up to it, the event, then I noticed that I had very few or any uh, clear, tall water bottles, like the 24-ounce, you know, the taller water bottles. And I'm a huge fan, and I highly recommend using always using clear water bottles if you can, if you have them, because then you know how much you got left. And uh, having opaque bottles that you can't see into um, drive me crazy because uh, you don't know what's what's in there or what it looks like and how much is left. And, and it's so much better to be able to just look and see instead of like shaking it and guessing. And then um, uh, I had bottles pre-made with fuel and water. I told Brian, every time I come in... Um, have the fuel bottle out so I can top off my fuel if I need to and have uh, a fresh, two fresh water bottles ready. And then I'll be back, right? And uh, and that's the way we did it every single time. And it worked so well. It really, my, my uh, aid station stops were probably 30 seconds to a minute each time, which is not bad at all, you know? Uh, that was really cool. Um, so clear bottles, pre-made, and communication, what you want on a regular basis ahead of time. Um, day one, the bike ride, I had to cross a four-lane divided highway with a boulevard in the middle of it uh, a total of eight times. What, uh, two different places, four times each, so eight times. Um, so that slowed me down just the tiniest bit, waiting you know, for traffic to uh, open up. But besides that, everything was pretty clear and, and nice. Um, I may, if we do this again, you know, invite other people, I may keep this exact same course. It was very scenic and relaxing and, and safe and, and nice. And then, um, I was using, uh, pure mechanical shifting. The, uh, I don't have any electronic shifting and also my shift uh, index shifting, you know, where it clicks in the gears, uh, that broke a while back. So I'm back into a pure friction shifter where you just kind of roll through the gear very just by pushing, and it, it hops over on its own, which is very old school, but is also very uh, functional and safe and nothing to worry about. And uh, nothing's going to break when you do that. And then um, and I had an entire spare bike uh, ready to go. Uh, I had spare wheels in the car, and if something tragic happened, then I had the the rest of the frame and everything all at, um, at my house. And then we'd figure out something. The chance of me needing a whole new bike was pretty small, but the chance of needing a new wheel, pretty high. And, uh, so we had wheels in the uh, car all pumped up and ready to go. And then, um, when we were all done, uh, went home and marked the bike course, for day two with duct tape, which was, you know, which sucks because you're pretty worn out and you need to be resting. And, but I figure Ultraman Hawaii, you know, they, they got to move to the next spot. They got to unload their luggage and go to the next hotel and stuff like that. So I'm like, it's probably comparable. And, uh, so we're out there half an hour to an hour, probably total of, um, marking the, uh, 
bike course with duct tape, the next day's bike course. And I wanted a different course uh, each day. That way, more variety and more fun. Okay, so day two, bike ride. I ended up doing 176.59 miles and um, in comparison to Hawaii's uh, 172 is what they report. So I went a little bit further. And um, heading out the door, I remembered, oh, crap, I need to replace my bottle cage. <laughs> and did that real quick, which was stupid at the last minute. I'd forgotten that, and but typical. And... Um, this day was just an amazing bike ride. Um, I averaged a heart rate of 113 beats per minute, and I went 176.59 miles at an average speed of 19.6, and I had miles per hour, which is pretty fast, and it had, I don't know, like four and a half, maybe, it had over 4,000 feet of elevation gain. <laughs> And people are like, and it was a hot, it got hot and windy in the afternoon and it was windy all day and, and really hot. And uh, a lot of people have asked me or, you know, commented like, holy crap, how did you keep your heart rate so low? And how did you, um, how did you, you know, go so fast and all that stuff? So almost all of that is position on the bike. You can go really, really fast if you're in a nice, clean, tight arrow position and, I uh, hardly ever, ever, ever ride my road bike. I ride my tri bike all the time. And so the arrow position is actually really comfortable to me. And uh, the longer you stay in that arrow position, um, the faster you're going to go. And again, I had all the stuff, you know, behind me. Um, no, no extra stuff dangling off the bike. Uh, tight fit jersey. And I wore an arrow helmet. Um, and... Uh, I also, you know, went by heart rate. I went nice and easy and I would pedal a little bit hard up the uphill sort of, and then cruise the downhills as I say on the show. So, um, it really does work and the, uh, just keeping my cool and just keeping everything just nice and even and smooth. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, also in training, like I said, doing polarized training, you're doing intervals and stuff. So, your body's capable of going really hard if you want to push it. And since you're not going hard and you're just going easy, well, your heart rate never gets driven up uh, really hard. And that's, uh, it works. It works really, really well. You can go pretty dang fast at a, um, at a low heart rate over time. You train yourself to do this. And also I have a, a wheel cover on the rear wheel, which helps a little bit. And then I also, um, I have an arrow front wheel that is uh, it's a Zip 404, but it's really old. And the arrow helmet and the water between the arms with a straw. And in training, just learn to just sit in the arrow position and just not think much of it. And it works, and that gains you just tons of time at a low heart rate. And let's see... I have a road ID bracelet. I wanted to mention that. That made me feel a little bit secure, you know, that if I die out there, at least they'll find my body so they can charge Emily for the uh, burial. Mm. All right. And then um, after the bike ride was over, how long did it take? Nine hours and 18 minutes. Imagine that. Nine hours and 18 minutes on the bike. And... Um, we finished up and 
went to uh, uh, go mark the run course with chalk um, because we have this run course that we needed to do. And, and uh, yeah, the same thing as, as mark, marking the bike course. But with this, with chalk, kids chalk, it works really great on the run. And um, also uh, for this day's bike ride, this is the day I put on compression socks or calf sleeves. Uh, starting, you know, I put them on that morning, getting ready for the bike, bike ride. I may have put them on the night before, but I think I put them on that morning. Um, I did not wear them in the swim and I did not wear them on the first day bike ride. But what I figured was the compression socks, uh, during the bike ride would help, uh, with feet swelling and all that. And then I never took them off. I wore them overnight and then I wore them right into the run the uh, next morning. I showered wearing the compression socks. They're so tight, you know, they're, they're hard to get off and on. So I just showered with them on. And uh, then um, day three, let me scroll my notes here. Day three, I did 52 and a half miles run and this was bad. So even though I did the first half under five hours, I did 458.52 um, for the first half. The second half, I don't know the difference, was six hours and 44 minutes or something like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I did it in 11.42, and you only have 12 hours. So I was like 18, 17, 18 minutes from the uh, cutoff. But it looks like I averaged a 13, 23-minute mile. Um, burned you know, Garmin estimated that I burned 4,300 calories. Crazy. And 114241. Um, had a 1,181 feet, uh, 1,181 feet of elevation gain, which is really flat and uh, flat ish. You know, it was gentle rolling. There's a little, you know, part or two where it was kind of like, you had to huff it just the tiniest bit. And, uh, but I went and looked at, after the fact, I went and looked at Hawaii's elevation gain, and it was like 500 and something feet. And that's just crazy. Either theirs is wrong, or it's really, really flat. And uh, uh, the temperatures for mine were as hot or hotter than Hawaii's, which is people can't imagine that, but believe me, it's true. And uh, the elevation gain on mine was like twice as much, which... Uh, to say something's twice as much is one thing, but like, you know, two is twice as much as one, uh, and two is not a big number. So 1,181 feet is not a big number at all. Um, but supposedly, my elevation gain was almost twice as much as as Hawaii's. But, um, it's uh, it's nothing really to be going around saying it was so steep or anything. It was relatively uh, level ish, um, just you know, slight. And then, uh, let's see, a loop out to the left of our house for almost three miles or over three miles and a loop out to the right of the house for almost three miles. And the house was the aid station. And then, uh, so I do the left loop, pick up more water, do the right loop, pick up more water, do the left loop, pick up more water and friends, pick up the right loop, pick up more water and friends. And, uh, I was doing... At first, I was doing an 11-minute mile. I was doing uh, 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 five minutes run, 30 seconds walk. So it was like four and a half minutes run, uh, 30 seconds walk. Four and a half minutes run, 30 seconds walk. And I did that for the first 30-something miles. 
So well into you know, six hours in or something like that. And then uh, we had the ice water incident that um, I mentioned on the last show. And then, boom, blew up from the heat. It just cooked me suddenly. And then I was in damage control and walking a bunch after that. And the um, for I've done a lot of ultra running. And usually I wear, I wear for ultra running, I wear, um, you know, running shorts that have, you know, little pockets in them and stuff like that. You know, just jogging shorts that have pockets. That way you can throw something in your pocket. But for this, I've had so much success doing Ironmans wearing two times you bike shorts and they they have long distance bike shorts i don't know if they still make them because these are kind of old mine are probably three four years old i only wear them for big races and um they are just amazing for me and i forget that i'm wearing shorts um oddly i know that sounds weird but that's what you want you want no chafing no nothing no issues right and these shorts for me give me zero issues and so I decided to wear triathlon racing long course bike shorts as my run shorts on <laughs> for this day three thing. And, uh, uh, but I know that they work and they worked great. And eh, that's just where I'm at. And, you know, I'm real skinny from the uh, waist down. So the, uh, I, I know I look like an ostrich, you know, with my scrawny uh, lower body. Actually, my legs are a lot bigger than uh, you'd think, but they're still pretty skinny. And, um, and, you know, my flat butt and all that stuff. So I'm sure I looked kind of odd in these things. I look better in shorts. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to make a sacrifice on how you look. And then an Under Armour long sleeve top, a heat gear, um, worked uh, just fine. Maybe. Maybe it was a little bit too hot. I don't know. But um, so then basically it's wearing arm coolers, but your whole body. And then you just pour water over yourself and uh, it evaporates right off and it protects you from the sun. And because you're not getting sunburned, you're not inflamed, which keeps down, uh, you know, wasting energy. And then, uh, and a boonie hat. And there's a picture on the blog of me running with this uh, boonie hat that has a ventilation mesh thing in the top of it. And that worked pretty good. And um, I was pouring water on my head and then putting the boonie hat back on. Uh, maybe cut the top off the hat entirely next time. Um, and then I can vent more heat out the top. I don't know. Um I've got plantar fasciitis pretty bad in both feet, really bad in my left foot. And um, it hurt a little bit on the run, but it wasn't terrible um, because I really wasn't running all that fast. Uh, so I'm not stretching that plantar um, uh, uh, tendon. And also on the bike ride, even though I went a long time, um, I was never pushing that hard. And that's um, really, you know, it's the pushing that stretches the tendon and hurts uh, tendon. So I actually had almost zero problems with um, the plantar fasciitis. Uh, it hurt a little bit towards the end, but it wasn't really that bad. But I did, um, I think I strained or nearly broke uh, a bone or a muscle or something like that in the top of my, I think it's my left foot or is it my right foot? Man, it started to hurt you got all these bones in your feet. So there's those bones that are kind of like your fingers or the middle of your metatarsals in your, uh, in your, um, feet. And one of them got really jacked. <laughs> and about halfway through the run, I switched shoes because my shoes were just a little bit tight after a while. So I switched them out to some other shoes. So it's always nice to have spare shoes. A lot of people do that for long run races. And, um, whereas your feet get bigger and bigger, um, you switch to half a size bigger, full size bigger, and um, that really works. And then um, this guy named Brandon showed up, 
and ran, I think he ran 18 miles with me, and that was really cool. And uh, he donated a check to uh, March of Dimes, and we matched it. And that was just really nice, man. And I had a really good time uh, training, uh, running, whatever, with him and talking and not talking, just two dudes running in the heat. Brutal. And so thanks, Brandon. That was pretty rad. And then um, we have construction going on on our street. There's new houses being built. So we had porta cans all over our street. We probably like three porta cans up and down my, my little street. And that was cool because uh, you didn't need to go in the house. Usually when we do this, um, do a self-supported Ironman or whatever, uh, you got to run in the house to go pee. And no, dude, there's porta cans right on the street. So I would just go over. It was like a real aid station. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I uh, just go over there and I could yell from the porta can, "Hey, can y'all get me uh, a new thing of ice water?" You know, I'm yelling from the porta can. Kai, I remember one time I'm in the porta can peeing, and Kai threw a rock at it. <laughs> Like bam, like that. I was like, I was laughing. Uh, then uh, we play pranks on each other. It's a lot of fun. Um, the I did pee in some bushes a couple times, and uh, then uh, towards the end of the run, with half a mile left, I finally threw up, and then uh, then felt great, and ran a ten minute mile for the last half a mile on the way in, and. Um, also, I was only able to drink about a third, I think, of fuel on the run day before things started backing up and my stomach started hurting, the heat, you know, I wasn't able to drink very much. Um, so I'm really interested. I also had to pee way too much on the bike on day two, um, just peeing all the time. And um, I'm interested in hearing from people that know um, some solutions for that, Uh and what was actually going on with my body would be really interesting to talk about on a show. Or tell me by email and and, uh, and we'll talk about it. And so I could learn from that to improve what I was doing. Um, when I finished, I felt totally wrecked. I mean, I felt wretched. And it was terrible um, because I'd been going probably for about three hours uh, feeling like crap and just pushing and pushing and pushing uh, to keep moving and even though throwing up got rid of all the water that I threw up, and that's what I threw up was almost just all water. Um, the uh, and I lost ten pounds. The um, on that day, I was weighing myself every morning, every night, uh, and that was huge. And uh, to make sure I stayed on track of fuel and hydration, and then, um, but I woke up the next day and felt really good. Um, and so I went and ran a 5K. I ran 3.2 miles <laughs> the next morning after doing a self-supported Ultraman. I couldn't believe it. I felt fine. Um, you know, I was, I was sore, you know, whatever. But I wasn't so destroyed that, um, that I couldn't go run again. And I, I ended it at that, right? Um, just, five, just, just a short little half-hour run and uh, just to see if I could. And I could. And the, um, because I was mad that my run took me so long and I wanted to ask, prove to myself whether it was the heat or my training, right? You know, was it Brett or was it the heat? And the heat was just, I don't know, it was freaking nuts. It was 95, uh, then plus high humidity and full sun, no clouds. And, um, so which one was it? And, uh, I felt for sure the next day going out running and feeling pretty good that, um, 
it was the heat that did me in and not the, uh, so if it was like a much cooler day, I would have gone faster and my run would have been fine. And I would have been able to fuel and drink and all that stuff. Okay. So that made me feel pretty cool. And let's see, uh, recap overall was it took me 29 hours and 32 minutes. And I think the, uh, I think the record time is something like 24 hours or something like that. So I didn't do that bad. I actually did pretty good. And then um, I, I think I was doing really good except for the last few hours of the, uh, of the well, the whole third day run. There's people that run that thing, you know, at like a seven-something minute mile or whatever. It just blows my mind. But um, that's just not – that's not just where I'm at right now. And, um, yeah, the, uh, runner's high that hit me two days later was really bizarre. Um, and then what I learned, uh, I got a few things having done it all. Um, a friend said, um, you are definitely the craziest guy I know in person, <laughs> right? Cause we all know crazy people that you meet on TV or, that you hear about on TV or in the news. And uh, that was really funny that my friend said that because to know the, the craziest person you know in person. And, uh, and I laughed and, and it was crazy. A self-supported Ultraman is fucking nuts. <laughs> That's why I wrote it in my, in my show notes. It's crazy, man. Who would ever go out and do that? It's just bizarre. And I went and did one. And I feel like I've done... Um, like the Everest of, uh, of endurance, like, you know, of triathlon, you know, um, like I've done it and I didn't do that bad. And the, uh, to, uh, and I did it on my own even. And, um, there's, there's not much more besides that, you know? Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm at the top of a, of a, of an emotional, you know, high of a hill and just going, wow, man, that's really cool. I've really achieved something just absolutely amazing. Uh, and then, um, a big thing is to eat a ton of food every night. Uh, your body's going to need to dip into those reserves. And when you can't eat anymore, I could probably improve on what I ate on every night so that it didn't bother me on the run. Cause there is that there's, uh, what you eat one day is a lot of it's still in your digestive tract the next day. And that can kind of back you up. Um, I'm not an expert on that. And it doesn't bother you so much on the bike because you're sitting. But once you start running, that can kind of bother you. And, um, yeah, the weighing myself every morning and evening. Um, on day three, the start of the run, I was only down one pound. That's it. That's pretty amazing because of all that uh, weighing and, and trying to keep up with everything. Um, it's not exactly about fueling. It's about being able to go on nothing when it starts getting really hot or really difficult because you can't fuel like you want to uh, because of the heat. And um, so in training, I'm not a big fan of like going on nothing because I think that's bad for you, but it's being able to realize that your body can kind of click over into fat burning mode. Um, with, you bonk, and what you do when you bonk is you just slow down, and then you can actually keep going. Um, if you do in training, where um, just because you don't feel great and you haven't eaten enough, 
um, you can actually keep training and keep going. That's just kind of a personal thing, and it's kind of touchy feely, like like how to do it and stuff. And that's not really what this show is about, but. Um, it is definitely a problem on the run and in the heat, you know, to be able to keep going. If you are totally carb, 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 sugar, 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 then you are going to blow up and not be able to go anywhere. But, uh, you have to be able to learn to be able to go long. Um, on, mm, there's one school, you know, be able to eat all the calories that you, that you can imagine, and then there's another school, like, well, maybe learn to eat a little bit less and keep going. And uh, the second school is definitely um, definitely real because I was just listening to an interview on, on the Vinnie Tortorich podcast with Matt Bach. And he was doing 100 calories per hour and one <laughs> uh, – I said 150 calories per hour or something like that. But anyway, and one um, – not about 100 calories per hour, I think. One Ironman Maryland and uh, – and also one top amateur at Eagle Man 70.3 and stuff like that. So it's not um, the high-calorie stuff. If it works for you, that's good. But I have problems with digesting fuel. And so uh, being able to keep going um, with not too much in your stomach is something that's just a necessity for some people. Everybody's a little bit different. And uh, you can change your body some, but you need to kind of go with what works for you. Anyway... The uh, having to go out and mark the course every night um, takes away from recovery, but it was also kind of hardcore. I kind of liked doing it. It was kind of cool. And I put a smiley face next to that, that, uh, that I did. I did kind of like it. Um, even when I had to push through it on the hard part of the run, I was still not trying, quote unquote. I was suffering, but I was still holding back. Um, I knew it was too far to actually try hard. Uh, I had to kind of let go and just keep going easy. Cause if I go hard, I'm going to die. <laughs> if I go easy, I'll still come in. I did, this is what I did on the bike. This is what I did on the swim. This is what I did the whole time. Just go easy. And, uh, rich roll, you know, he says, uh, Ultraman isn't about going fast. It's about going easy and just trying to not slow down is the uh, some version of that and he was right man that's exactly what it is you go as slow as you possibly can and try not to go just try not to slow down and um it's who slows down the least yeah that's what it is and the um is the winner because nobody's going really that fast you know and um on the run and when it got bad i was just trying to stay below blacking out and i'm and i'm like if i stay below the effort that it, it takes to black out, then I'll make it. Um, and then it hurt like really bad, but I just say, ignore the pain, ignore the pain, ignore the pain. Uh, just keep keep going. Pain means that you're moving. Uh, my feet burned on the underside like walking on hot coals, um, but that was towards the very, very end, so it wasn't worth the time to put lube on the bottom of my feet because I was just going to keep going. And the... Um, Oh, in total, I went 8.8 more miles, so uh, 328.8. The heat was just 8.8 more miles than I needed to, and uh, but uh, it was almost entirely on the bike, and um, the same or worse heat than Hawaii. And I really, really, really feel like that um, I did something that was. 
uh, any worries about was it as hard as Ultraman Hawaii are washed away. Like the whole feng shui going by feelings and stuff like, yeah, dude, this thing was freaking nuts. <laughs> and, uh, um, it really, you know, I've got a lot of experience racing, like lots of different stuff. And this was, uh, very, very brutal and comparing, you know, this to that and the other. And I feel very happy that, um, I can tell myself that I did the equivalent and that's all that really matters. And I think that's it, uh, for my review. And again, it's a, it's a few weeks later and, um, I, uh, I'm tired. Um, it hurts when I train. Um, I'm in a really good mood because this is, I feel sufficiently cooked, uh, to take some time off and to not do much. And this is a great time to do it. We've got Halloween and Kai soccer and Thanksgiving coming up. I went to training in Austin for a week, just kind of piddled around and, uh, you know, like working out an hour here, an hour there, nothing big. And it's okay. And I like it. And, um, people have asked me, uh, what I'm doing next. And, um, I have no clue. Um, well, I'm doing Ironman Canada next summer, and I really need to improve my run. And the um, my bike seems to be okay, but the uh, the run is my uh, my weakness, and I really need to improve it. But then, of course, the uh, problem is is I've got plantar fasciitis in my feet, but it, right now it's only kind of mild. But I can't really push the run because it'll make it worse. So I'm running pretty easy. And theoretically, I shouldn't be running at all to let it heal. But I'm also uh, addicted to working out and just staying healthy. So I'm running some uh, because I think uh, not running at all, um, man, starting from zero to run is just like terrible. But I don't know. I haven't really decided anything. I'm very much just kind of going with the flow of stuff. And uh, we're trying to piece together I mean, the next big project really is trying to piece together some sort of uh, bike for the next few years and um, and see what's going on with that. All right, that's it for this. Thanks for sticking with the uh, review and um, email me with any particular questions on something that I didn't cover. I mixed, uh, for example, I mixed salt in with my fuel, but also I knew uh, towards that, especially on day three, that I wouldn't be able to take in as much fuel because of the... Um, because of the heat, that I had salt pills with me, and I'd pop the salt pill uh, every once in a while to make the water uh, stick around a little bit better, and you know things like that. You got questions like that? Let me know. Uh, my email is texafornia at gmail dot com. Tex t e x a f o r n i a, and that's it. All right, hold on. All right, we are back, and time to wrap up the show, and it's just. A couple minutes after the Ronda Rousey Holly Holmes fight, and if you didn't know Holly Holm, if you didn't know uh, Holly won, and it's considered one of the greatest upsets in uh, UFC fighting. And the reason I actually paid to watch this fight is because after seeing some of the previews and a little bit about this Holly girl, I was like, I think this. <laughs> I think this girl's going to win or else I wouldn't have paid for it. You know, these fights are over so fast if it's a, if it's not a good match. And, um, Holly is a, uh, a champion, uh, boxer and a champion kickboxer and is built 
not only like a guy, but like built like a really fit, like uh, NFL tight end or something. I mean, she is muscular and ripped and really coordinated. Um, after the fight, and she's jumping up. I mean, she's totally girl. She was jumping up and down, squealing <laughs> with excitement that she won. But um, I did some boxing in uh, military school and and also saw a lot of it, uh, but was definitely in it. And when you get – was, I could tell halfway through the first round that this was going to get – that Holly was probably going to win. Um, the way she was connecting with the head and ringing – um, Rhonda's bell over and over again. You can only take so many um, pretty good strikes to the uh, melon, and you, you, it just maybe you get you get like ten of them, and by then your legs just get weak and you get slow. And if you get slow and the other person's not, well, then they're just going to keep lighting you up. And then fifty nine seconds into um, the second round, uh, she struck her pretty good. Uh, Holly struck Rhonda pretty good. And then she swung a leg from the back up to the front and with all of her force, aimed for the head with a kick, the forefoot to the head, and uh, missed a little low and hit Rhonda in the neck, <laughs> in the side of the neck. And it just shook her upper body and knocked her out. Rhonda fell over sideways and the other side of her head hit the hit the deck you know with no no support just bam and then uh, holly jumped up on top of her and just started pounding her face with her the underside of her fists um and the ref pulled her off and uh that was it so anyway i really like uh ufc mma ufc is a brand so they're like the wtc so mma is the type of fighting um the other day I posted on Twitter, and a whole lot of people like this, that triathlon is the mixed martial arts of endurance sports where uh, we swim and we bike and we run. And there's races where they do them in reverse order. There's races where they mix them up. There's races where they, that Island House try, where you just do them repeatedly over and over and over again. And you never know what actually you're going to get. And you ought to train that way. And you ought to train to... Uh, swim and then swim and bike and then bike and bike and swim and then swim and run and um, just be all around uh, ready to do anything at any time and that'll make you a more complete athlete because all the greatest coaches will tell you that it's consistency in training and to just not be able to get tired and keep taking hits that will um, take you to the top and give you your best race day performance. So anyway, that was really, really cool. It's cool seeing Joe Rogan do the, uh, do the commentary because uh, Joe Rogan has a really good podcast. He, he comes across at first, if you don't really know him, as like a brutish um, beast man, but actually he's a real deep thinker and he doesn't jump to conclusions too fast or anything. So he does really good interviews. All right, let's uh, wrap up the show. And get this thing out here and out to y'all. Let's see if there's any other uh, sponsors I forgot to mention. Don't forget Chris Haig with Chris Haig Coaching. Awesome triathlete up in the West Coast and doing a great job up there. Always a 
uh, proud to send him athletes. If you're looking for somebody really enthusiastic, uh, that's really going to up your game and give you some excitement and energy, then don't forget about Chris. And I think that's it. So next uh, episode, um, Joel Filiol, who's a big time Uber super coach, is has asked to be on the show. They've got a new podcast out, so I'll probably have him on the show. Uh, I owe an interview to Jesse Stenslin, who uh, has started a uh, footwear uh, movement, which is really cool. And I think that's about it. Anybody that I've missed, I'll make sure that um, I get you on the next on the next show. And thank you to all the people that have supported uh, Zentry, especially with a little bit of a pause here and some podcasts. Uh, while we uh, get our legs back under us and pick up the racing again. It's been a lot a lot of fun taking a break. So, anyway, everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down, out. Oh, my God.